Well, here we are. Another episode of... Uh, what's this thing called again? Uh, hold pod, on. Oh, hold on. Pod like a hole. Pod like a hole. Let me check my notes. Um, it's the almanac of all things uh, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. It's the... Uh, what college papers are going to be written on one day when they look back on the uh, the impact, the cultural impact of Trent Reznor and on the music landscape and what not to do when you record a podcast. That's right. Um, so this is Mark. I'm joined with uh, Steve and Eric. Eric, are you guys going to do something fun this time? I thought you were going to do something fun. I mean, your name's built into the title <laughs> of the album we're talking oh, about. Uh, that's is why that, I'm hesitating. Is that, oh, uh, okay, that's so fine. good. Well, at least you gave me that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. That's the best that's intro we've ever done, guys. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> this is December 30th. We've all barely survived the holidays. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve, and are you guys doing anything on New Year's Eve? Hell no. Um, I'm probably going to be with the in-laws or something like that. Mm. You know, I'm old. I'm not doing anything I did something with the in-laws last year. I'm going to let them watch the kid tomorrow, but that just means they'll watch him until about 9 and then bring him back to my house. Absolutely. I don't even know what we're doing. We're probably... Probably I walk, know what you're doing. Walk down to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Choo-choo. Uh, <laughs> We've had that talk off, Mike. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, it's been great growing up with you all, by the way. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a bunch of mature men yeah, still making yeah. choo-choo goes in the, in the tunnel jokes. <laughs> December 30th. Jeez. Year's about to end. It's been a long year. We're all uh, a little loopy, so you're in for a treat tonight. Yeah, we're always loopy. But this is the earliest we've actually started our recording. Earliest we started recording. The last thing we recorded was the show, was the the the, the review of the live show. Our book report, yep. Who knows when you'll hear that. We're, we're in that zone where it's like that Mr. Show sketch again. Uh, pre-taped call-in show. That, that, well, they've heard it. That's yeah. been out. That's that's been oh, wait, out. that went out already. That's, was, I, yeah. that, that's been dropped. That oh, you're right. Yeah. One and done. Yeah. That went out. Yeah, uh, everyone was blessed with the long-awaited Chinese democracy episode. <laughs> Our, it, you guys, I hate to tell you this, um, we've often discussed what season two is going to be, and um, if you guys want to keep our ratings up, it'll be a Guns N' Roses podcast. Oh. That was our most downloaded episode by far. <laughs> wow, uh, that would be false. <laughs> I, I haven't checked the analytics, but uh... <laughs> I've been I've been told that if you say it, it's true. That's true. Uh, that's that's right. uh, it's the no, secret. I have no idea. I, I, I have no idea if it was downloaded by anybody. Um, I'll I'll double check with our uh, crack team of. Uh, of our office staff and our marketing department. Right. And we'll yes. see what the analytics so say. Those are the last two we recorded. Yep. Or no, that we put out. Yep. And the last two we recorded that haven't put out is the social network and how to destroy angels. By the time you hear this, those will be out though. And yep. we plan yeah. on doing all the rest of the scores for this episode, but behind the scenes, I suggested that we do this album because if we ended up doing those scores, you would have not gotten anything again until like March. As, That's uh, true. You needed, needed a shot in the arm of a, a proper record. That's right. That's right. And it was, and you know what timeline? It works out. We did open it up to the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put a survey out there, and I mean, it was. I believe it was eighteen to sixty. Uh, eighteen people. I was one of them. Just to <laughs> yeah. Mess eighteen with people Steve for, and Eric. for the, it wasn't so going to change. Eighteen people said stay the course. Soundtrack work. That's what we yeah. want to hear. And yeah. then Sixty people said no. We made the choice <laughs> beforehand. We <laughs> yeah. thought we let you think you had a choice in the matter. You weren't going to. That's right. That's right. 
Sounds like democracy from, from a certain exactly. part of <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yes, boy. as we're in day whatever of a government shutdown. Right. You know, we actually uh, recorded our Crow episode when the government shut down, too, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So this is becoming like a, a thing. Right. That Somebody, one was a lot like quicker, wasn't it? it was, I think so. <clears throat> yeah. Somebody and it wasn't, it wasn't under such... I mean, the, the, the dynamic is incredibly different now where... They're just killing time until a few days where a whole new Congress comes in. and Yeah, and then everyone will get uh, paid again. It'll be something. And then the investigations start, hopefully. (laughs) If we still exist in a few days, who knows? Uh, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Knock on wood. Um, So tonight we're going to talk about hesitation marks uh, instead of going through all of the score work that Steve was talking about. Right. Um, So that came out in the year of our Lord, 2013. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I, I assume all, you you all went to midnight mass for Christmas Eve, right? <laughs> this is that kind of show. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and before we get out to when it came out, has anything happened recently about with Nine Snails we're talking about? Which means if it happened recently and we talk about it now, by the time the people hear us talk about it, it'll be half a year from now. Correct. Right. Um, so winter 2008 news. They finished their tour. 2008 news, huh? 2018. Okay. Loopy. But it did sound yeah. like you said 2008. I'm yes. sure, you know what? I bet I did. <laughs> they finished yeah. the, the, the grand finale to the Cold Black and Infinite tour happened in L.A. That's right. And I tell you, if you're a fan and you live in L.A. and you can go to every one of those shows, you're not a fan. Are you kidding I don't, me? Like, I don't care. What are you like? I don't care. I don't care what obligations you have, what job you have, or children you have. You should go to every one of those shows. Because when you look at all those set lists together, that's a dream. I mean, if you can afford to live in L.A., I guess you can afford to go to... Five or six shows, right? Yeah. And it wasn't all back-to-back, I think. They did, like, a weekend break. They did. They did, yeah. They did something as a... uh, It is the holidays, and I do, even though it exhausts me, and also my son's birthday is the same month. Same day as yours. Yes. Let's be be honest. It is. But the (laughs) fact that that's right before Christmas... And like I'm actually, it is good that you bring that up because I'm determined for now to make sure he still feels like his birthday is special, even though Christmas is two weeks later. Um, Get him nothing on his birthday. Oh, that's a good. <laughs> habit, yeah. He's, yeah, now that he's three, he really uh, he's starting to understand what it's We're like. We're just to, gonna lump him into one towns. Yeah, he won't have it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, I do. I am a fan of the Christmas season. Just I like the aesthetic of it. I I like the gaudy colors. I like that we're supposed to be nicer to each other, even though we're really not. But uh, uh, one of the things during that tour and that, that residency in L.A. was uh, the Mr. Garson. The Mike Garson? Mike. Mike, Mike Garson. Yeah, yeah. David Bowie's the uh, keyboard player for many albums and the the, 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 the mad piano man on uh, Just Like You Imagined, among others. The guy other. who lost the studio in the fires. And yes, he tried did. Try to raise a little money for him. Yeah. Yep. Or, uh, or people got salty yeah. with him on online. Yeah. Like, why should we be given to this rich man? And he was like, you know what? Fuck off. You yeah. know, like, yeah. yeah. Sucking yeah, entire time. Like, wow, you're all assholes. Yeah. <laughs> just signed off. Yeah. 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 He remembered why he doesn't use Twitter that much. Yeah. But they, pre- they, they played just like you imagined. But before they went into it, or was it? No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause they also played La Mer that night. Yeah. But they played a uh, green sleeves and, uh, which is a song he played with, as Mark and I both kind of noticed with uh, Bowie at Glastonbury 2000, which was just re-released or just oh. released for the first time, played played Greensleeves. So that's a, 
That's one of his uh, probably favorite renditions. So and during when they were playing it, they had uh, projected Nine Inch Nails logos in Christmas colors. It's uh, heartwarming. Yeah, absolutely. That's about all the news. That, that, that tour ending is about all the news I could think of. <clears throat> Unless you want to talk about Bird Box. I haven't watched it yet, and I haven't judged whether or not the score is anything different than his other I guess stuff. We, Eric, you saw it, right? Yeah, uh, just quick and dirty. The movie is, a like, if I could define a movie that is totally a great Netflix movie, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. sure. you wouldn't pay for it, but you are fully satisfied enjoying it in the comfort of your own home. I would, yeah. I would give it to that. There's many I, of those now. I, think, I, I do think the score is too good for it. The score is super tense and... And uh, re- really well done. I would say maybe even more, a little bit more intense than some of his stuff. Like he's definitely going for that, like get your heart racing kind of score. Um, and it's sometimes earned, sometimes not in the movie. But it's 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 a good score. Yeah, it's hard to have any kind of uh, <clears throat> earned emotions in a Sandra Bullock movie. Blind side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was excellent in Speed. She was Speed oh, One. Speed One. Yeah. She was America's sweetheart right there. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That's a, uh, a limited yeah. series or just a yeah. straight one. It's a one anthology. It's a one anthology. Well, it's, a, it's just a movie. like uh, just... that one with Jeff Daniels. Uh, you remember the one with Jeff Daniels? God something. Godless? Oh, right, Godless. No, yeah, yeah, that was, that was a, a show one. though. This is one movie. It's oh, an it's anthology just... movie. So there's six stories in this one movie. You hit play oh, one okay. time. Got it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Stephen. How remotes work. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the chapter. Everybody keeps talking about the chapter with um, Liam Neeson in it, yeah. or the one with this young couple in it that fall in love. But the uh, I am biased as is Eric. I think the Tom Waits chapter is by far and away the best one. Yeah. It yeah. might. It's just. Perfect casting. <clears throat> yeah, that's what I'd have to up. Just how to, long just is the movie? Oh, I was like two and a half hours. Oh, that's yeah. too long. Yeah. That's too yeah. long. Just find no, that Tom one. Just, just <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll watch the whole goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and so Nash Nail's not doing much right now. Right, and a well deserved break. Hopefully, hunkering down to make more music. Yeah, but a well deserved break. Well deserved. Um, Hopefully, maybe getting a little something going with How to Destroy Angels. There was a reunion on stage. They did. They played, a, they played actually so, a pretty good selection of How to Destroy yeah. Angels songs. Like. Maybe that's the next thing. No, I'm hopefully that got it out of their system so they don't bother <laughs> making any more music. <laughs> oh, my. Listen, if I need to fall asleep, I can just drink more whiskey. I don't need to. Oh, how to, <laughs> and the thing about How to Destroy Angels is that I, uh, you'll know by now, listeners, we were very big fans of that music while we tried to do a whole episode about it. But if you look at the internet, apparently tons of Nine Inch Nails fans love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think we're in the minority. Well, that's not necessarily true, but I, I've talked to some really hardcore Nine Inch Nails fans, and they heard uh, like two things from How to Destroy Angels, and they didn't even bother buying the record. No, I was so, one of them. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, trust me, we're, there's, we're the silent majority out there. <laughs> <laughs> or the forgotten man when it comes to that. Uh, really quick shout out, fan that feeds um, uh, to uh, one of our listeners, uh, Stefan Klein uh, contacted us on Facebook just with some great information about some of the other work that Nine Inch Nails live members have done um, over the years. Uh, <clears throat> but he did point us to a Christopher Renner remix of one of his uh, his his musical project called Death Centric. Um, 
and did a remix of one of their songs. And his record label, uh, Stephen Klein's uh, record label, Dodd Incarnate, is a it looks to have some promising acts uh, if you're doing electronic industrial. So just a shout out to a to a listener that was very dedicated to giving us some information. There will be a link in the show notes to <clears throat> the label website. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. And that wasn't the only thing that he uh, directed us to. We're not going to talk about we're that. We're not going to talk about that. But uh, again, thank <laughs> you for that. Can't talk about everything on the air. We'll uh, hopefully Maybe something, we'll, something will come of that. Yeah, we'll hopefully we'll talk know. about it again. Yeah. Um, but uh, as of right now, uh, it's Tumbleweeds. So like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. <laughs> <laughs> it was the holidays. All right. Well, well oh, okay, shall we go so take should we time travel back to 2013? 2013. 2013. Now, we can't remember because of how long it's been between us recording and us and actually putting a goddamn episode out. And I think of the How to Destroy Angels uh, period, we did talk about 2013. Am I wrong? We did. We, we talked did. about okay. the pop culture. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about something else. Well, <laughs> let's see. If I had to pick one defining moment of 2013 the year i got married but if i had to pick one defining moment of that year it would be another wedding which is the red wedding on hbo's game of thrones ah uh, yes uh, i i think uh when steve looks back on that that year uh number one is the red wedding and then number two is his own wedding yeah uh you know it's shocking are you i mean <laughs> game of thrones it's coming back soon Coming back soon. Finally going to come back. We're going to finish up that story with the second half of uh, <laughs> season seven. I think um, it's season seven. I think so. Uh, are you all caught up, Eric? Yeah, I'm caught up. Yeah, You're yeah, caught yeah, up yeah, as well? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, I'm waiting for George R. R. Martin to actually release that sixth book. Um, but that'll never happen. The Winds of Winter. The Winds it of Winter out, and then The Dreams of Spring. What will come out next? The this, next book? Or our next episode. <laughs> That's the real question. You know, editing these things is uh, it's a craft, okay? Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. You don't want to rush it. Don't want to rush, rush perfection. Um, so you've read, you've read all the books. Oh, yeah. I've read all the books. Yeah. Uh, the last book came out before Hesitation Marks. It came out in 2011, I think, before my daughter was born, who's mm-hmm. now in first grade. I remember you actually telling me around, you know, when she was going to... I think you told me that... You guys were pregnant. That's how they put it when you're a couple. You yep. guys. Right. Yeah. We're Around both, when that book was coming out, I think. About that. I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because uh, we got married in 2011. And I think that... Fuck. Yeah, I think that book actually came out... Oh, well, who the fuck knows? It came out the year that we got married. And then that later that year, we got pregnant with Vivian. Right. I think. Right. I uh, go out to this, what to expect when you're expecting. Yep. To, uh, song of fire and ice uh dance of dragons <laughs> the song that they play when they uh spoilers for game of thrones when the red wedding happens and people die the reigns of castamere you know you know that one yeah Sigur Rós is they do a version of it yeah uh the national i think the national does a really good version of it um the version on the uh on the show is actually really good when i learned that becky was pregnant I listened to the national version of it on repeat for an entire night. Really? Oh, that means about me. But um, <laughs> I do know that I wanted to... How long have we been talking about this? Because the Red Wedding was uh, the end of also your freedom and... Uh, yeah. 
no obligation of having to care for another living thing. You know how many podcasts I could have edited if I didn't have a kid? Yeah. <laughs> I've only edited one. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a secret one, too. Much like how this album was recorded in right. secret. So there you go. Well, I think my goal to talk about Game of Thrones for five minutes is about up. Um, so that's that's it for pop culture tonight. Yeah, yeah. that works for me. Listen to How to Destroy Angels for the rest of all the happenings between 2010 and 2013. Yeah. Uh, now, autobiographically, did we go into that? Well, no, I mean, we didn't. Steve got married. I did learn. Uh, this is actually uh, the only time I've ever found complaints about the show online. Besides uh, that one guy talking about the uh, the pretzels getting eaten, yeah, sure. eating in on the mic, uh, yeah, the sure. auto bio parts, which makes me want to have even more long drawn out autobi- autobiographical parts, but we won't do that too. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's and that's I'll fine. have to I'll give you a little breaking news when we're, when we quit talking about Nine Nails one day, we'll probably start talking about another act. You're not gonna know who that is until you hear it, but. And able to do the autobiographical parts then would be much more difficult. Yes. Show's going to change. Format's going to change a little bit. Format's so, going to change. Yeah, you might, you'll probably won't be getting your autobio parts anymore. So, you know, but you're going to, we're going to write it out for the rest of this show. We're done just going to, we're just going to, but if that artist happens to have an album that came out during some of these album years, we will just pull out clips we'll from uh, this show. We'll, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> let's go back. Let's go, let's go back to the files. And you will, uh, if you're a fan of this show, you will be a fan of what we would potentially what do got, next. Yeah. So we got, yeah, we got some irons in the fire on that. So stay tuned. Um, so this album came out on, uh, when it come out? 26, uh, came out, uh, 2013 in August, August, uh, it was released on September 3rd, 2013, so you got married on August 31st. They had leaked yeah. it by then, though. Yeah. They, they, they leaked it, because I, I know for a fact August Mark 26th and I it was, yeah. chatted about it in, uh, in the reception. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah. So I got married. That's what I was doing. Yeah. What were you doing? Uh, we had just moved back from Washington State that year. We, were, we had just moved back, um, started my new job in the, back in the great state of California, and the, <clears throat> the uh, Trinity was that much closer to... Being back together, I think we'd already talked about this in the house, right? We did, so that's did. fine. Yeah, and then yeah. 2013, and around that time, I was um, still working at my old job before I started my new job. Uh, and Vivian was born, so not a whole lot of personal freedom at that point. Just raising a baby. Between right. then and now, everything. oh, I think I bought my house uh, that year. I think that's what I did no, later that year. It's a big one. Drained my life savings. It's a big one. It was the more stressful time period in my life than actually watching my wife go through labor. Yeah. I um, dabbled in looking at homeownership over the last year, and I could see that. Yes. It's not fun. I, uh, the conversation will stop there. But <laughs> Oh, my God. Me and uh, Jen probably never fought more in our life mm-hmm. during that period. Um, but uh, thankfully... We made it work, and uh, so listeners here we are today. Your <laughs> listeners, your three co-hosts, as you can clearly tell, grew up a lot between the uh, yeah. release of the last album, the Slip, and this album now. And we were becoming adults. We had relationships, and then started having children. And uh, what could not have been a better time for Nine Inch Nails to leak hesitation marks for free before it came out, for us to enjoy in a very casual way. Absolutely. So let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, 
the origin of hesitation marks. Then we're going to go through every individual track and then even hit you with some of the remixes. We'll be right back. Please hold. Um, so the year is 2013, and uh, Trent Reznor decided to uh, come back with Nine Inch Nails in a strong way. The last we had heard from Nine Inch Nails was in 2009, uh, when he said that he was going to uh, put that away into the sock drawer for a little bit, and then he focused on um, doing uh, film scores and How to Destroy Angels. They did this album in secret. Um, it wasn't anything that uh, was being reported on in the uh, mainstream media by any means. Sure. At this point, um, I had not been following Nine Inch Nails on the rumor mill as much as I did during the, the phase where the gap between uh, Downward Spiral and The Fragile. Well, you also didn't, you know, you didn't think there was anything to follow at that point, really. Right. I mean, I, I knew that he was going to be prolific in still being uh, a part of the musical landscape. I didn't think uh, that Nine Inch Nails was even on his radar. I, I knew that it was probably never... It was some, uh, at some point going to be coming out, but I didn't think that it was going to be coming out in such a quick fashion. Was he doing beats music at this point? So I can't remember when exactly... Um, yeah, he was uh, the chief creative officer of Beats Music at this point. He was in collaboration with Dr. Dre. Day job. It was a day job. It was. Um, and that was something that they... I remember on another podcast, uh, Rob Sheridan was talking about this, um, where they looked at what Spotify was doing. Spotify was kind of the only streaming music game in town, and it was just a really terrible user interface. So then Beats Music came along and offered that whole uh, uh, thing as well. I can't remember when Apple bought Beats, though. Um, at the top of my head, I want to say in 2014. I feel like it was pretty quickly after, though. Yeah, it was yeah. Like within a year or two. So Apple bought Beats for like a couple billion dollars, and not just the headphones, but the ability <clears throat> to... Because then Beats Music got created into Apple Music, um, and uh, Trent was still kept on i remember the year um that they announced apple music and i remember seeing trent reznor and mary queen sitting in the audience and on a pre-recorded uh tape that was played at that keynote uh trent reznor was the one that was really actually selling the whole um uh apple music and how it was going to be uh more artist friendly in the sense that there were artists were probably going to get paid at a little higher royalty rate for every stream. Um, something that Spotify apparently wasn't doing. And then Taylor Swift came out and wrote a whole big letter. And, um, because they were giving everyone a uh, customer who wanted to sign up for Apple music. And that's still the case three months of free service. But at that time, I guess they weren't going to be paying the three artists. months of free service, three months of free service. That's a great deal. <laughs> they still do. Uh, you know, go on down to the, no, okay. Give sorry. Name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Taylor Swift famously wrote a letter, an open letter to Apple, uh, saying that it wasn't fair to the artist that they weren't going to be seeing any sort of payment on that three months. Um, and, uh, Apple quickly changed, um, and I think eventually Taylor Swift was 
in a commercial or something like that. Still waiting for the collaboration between her and Trent. It's possible. It's possible. Oh, speaking of Nine Inch Nails news, you probably didn't see this on Reddit, but uh, so Lady Gaga started her Las Vegas residency. Did you see that? She played a version of I'm Afraid of Americans. Right, right. And um, then, like, people are like, oh, yeah, I see all these pop stars always uh, being seen or heard of going to Nine Inch Nails live concerts, like her, Katy Perry. Right. um, So they're putting together. They are... uh, yeah, they're putting together what's kind of like a, a We Are the World. Um, Trent Reznor's masterminding it, and it's going to have all your favorites. It's going to have Beyonce, Taylor Swift, <laughs> Katy Perry, um, the guy from Coldplay, uh, Beck is going to be on it, <laughs> and all of the uh, the money being raised. Bob, Dil- Bob Dylan, though. Bob still Dylan, he'll still be there and confused. Yes. <laughs> um, all the money being raised is going to go to building that damn wall. Because uh, the indie they've already raised fifteen million, man. The there was an Indiegogo. What is it? Uh, uh GoFundMe. GoFundMe. I think, yeah, it's not doing it. So uh, thank you for your patriotism, patriotism, Mr. Resner. Um, <laughs> my God, I still don't understand how a wall is a five billion dollar monstrosity when in a world where ladders and ropes exist. Listen, but whatever. It's just a metaphor, Mark. Okay, all right. It <laughs> depends on who you ask. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Oh my God, dark times in America. Um. All right, so so Trent Reznor is putting this. He's recording this in secret. Uh, Eric, you sent me a link to a video of him talking about the making of the album, which was a bonus feature from oh, I think that, Apple. It, yeah, right. Something? So the Apple uh, Deluxe Edition came with a forty-minute, not a video, but a, a like an audio. Have you listened to that thing? Clip? Absolutely. Yeah, it's great. It a couple times. It's yeah, fantastic. It's very, it's very yeah. interesting, and it even shows like some demos right. and uh, so different you, version of all. If you don't have the deluxe version of Hesitation Marks. We'll link this in the show. You just go to Google or YouTube yeah, you, it's, it's and just YouTube, type yeah. Trent Reznor talking about hesitation marks. Yeah. And he goes in, really, I, uh, I've always liked this record. The first time I heard it was in the dark, on a beach, right after I got married, probably drunk. And that might have been the perfect place to listen to it for the first time, especially being in the dark somewhere where my feet were wet. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but uh, I've always liked it. And then let's actually recording this episode made me like it even more not that i needed to like it much more but then listening to him talk about it made me appreciate it more yeah so i think anybody should seek that out that that video yeah. is great i think it's good yeah to talk about maybe first our first reactions was when this came out um i saw the album artwork i heard like it was probably on like pitchfork or something it said like yeah i'm you know it's kind of like a spiritual s- sister to uh uh downward spiral so i got excited for bug production which i didn't get <laughs> Um, so there was, there was a little bit of disappointment. I did realize the songs did sound more mature. I knew they were good. Um, a couple of them stuck with me, but it isn't until now that I, that I, that I really jumped in with a deep dive and have a huge appreciation for it now, which I know I I sound like a broken record saying that, but, um, I'm in the right place for this album now and I, and I, and and I love it. Before Mark goes, I'm going to interrupt him before he even talks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the majority of these stuck in my rotation since it was released. With the exception of some that are very, uh, I'll get to which ones they are. The most of there, there were some that I was like, "Oh, this goes automatically in the all-timer file." I'll point them out as we go through. Sure. What was your initial reaction? Uh, my initial reaction was, uh, uh, it was a solid, solid album. Um, I loved his uh, vocal delivery on most of the uh, uh, songs. Um, there was a little bit of sagging in some parts. Uh, 
all in a whole, there was like three songs off here that I just uh, didn't respond to. Um, but how it closes um, is one of the strongest closing. Um, well, yeah, it, it hangs with the rest of his classic work. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, it's got a saxophone in it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I will say that uh, I, I felt when I was talking to other Nine Inch Nails fans, I was working with uh, at the record store at this time. There was definitely me having to explain this record a little bit more, like because of some of the obvious references to Downward Spiral. Um, as Eric was saying, people were going to be expecting just this blast of guitars. Mm-hmm. And I really had to kind of downplay that expectation <clears throat> when they were kind of talking about like, oh, so what's this one sound like? It looks like it's going to be similar to Downward Spiral. I said, lyrically, probably, but musically, not at all. Um, so just go in with that expectation of you're not going to get, you know, punched in the face, you know, 500 times. And even lyrically, it's kind of <laughs> reflective on some of the same right. topics, but they're not. Not as bleak yeah. is what I want to say. So yeah. uh, from the way the way I would to overall describe this album, I'm going to read this long ass quote from Trent Reznor in a second that I found. Um, but the way if I were the first time you listen to it, a few years removed now, if you were to take the obviously the touchstone being the downward spiral, right down to the the fact that they used the same artist Russell Mills, yeah, Russell Mills, which they did on purpose. When he decided he wanted to be a spiritual successor to it. The font. The font's the same. Some of the lyrics reflect back. So, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, calling back to the downward spiral 20 years later. But then I think it has the reliance on electronics that Year Zero has. Yeah. But with more effort and time put into it. Yes. It's not tossed off. And then I think the way it breathes and leaves room open for... Sound to travel reminds me of some of my favorite parts of the fragile. Yeah, it's like you can kind of take bl- blend those three together, and you kind of get this. And very, um, very direct and specific use of guest artists on this album yeah. too, and maybe more than usual. So um, maybe I'll save uh, what I feel about this towards the end. Um, but yeah, I, I think I will. Um, yeah. What uh, what. Uh, you were talking about year zero though. However, um, I think he touches on that very concept, uh, in that conversation, um, that it, it seems that very electronic oriented, uh, very synth and very groove oriented record. This one is, um, a lot of tracks were just started with him on a drum machine in his office. Yeah, actually. So, and so like it does, even though it kind of sounds like year zero in a more fleshed out, uh, way, um, you could tell this was in a studio rather than in the back of a yeah a well, bus. absolutely direct quote from Mr. Trent Reznor. What I found the most inspiring was sitting with just a drum machine in my bedroom in my office, not having a keyboard or guitar and playing everything on pads. Me sitting alone with literally one piece of gear, just messing around. I found it exciting. It lent to the minimal edge because it do- it didn't feel like it needed more. Um, yeah. So yeah, he was still in the studio in his office, and then he, he felt like these songs needed to be small or start small. Um, another thing interesting about the the recording of it was it mainly, the majority of it was uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and Alan Mulder doing the engineering and producing. They actually brought in another producer for a while. Um, oh, I, right. I dig some digging around. It was a guy named Marcus, Marcus Draves. 
I've never well, heard of this. He's a he's also recorded albums by Arcade Fire, Coldplay, Bjork, Brian Emo, uh, Mumford Sheep and Sons, drugs. <laughs> uh, Florence and the Machine. Big fan of Florence and the Machine. Kings of Leon. Uh, I can see why it didn't work out. That's uh, wild. A lot I of never that, knew that. The, a lot, I mean, the, a lot of this is like. I don't know, Starbucks music, for lack of a better term. Sure. You know, we never really touched on the fact that, like, uh, I can't remember what the year, the time span, but Atticus Ross was really doing a lot of work with corn at this point. Uh, maybe oh. in the tw- 2011 era. Okay. But, like, yeah, he was a pretty heavy influence on their well, you listened, second chapter. You listened to all their albums in a row a few months ago. And so. those Atticus Ross uh, ones, I could tell the ones that he produced. Because uh, he didn't produce the whole, uh, yeah, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> some of the stuff on there was absolutely work rather than fun. But, uh, yeah, you could tell that Kind of like trying to record there. a bunch of podcasts about score work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back to, like, what he's talking about the connection to downward spiral. Of course, you know, we can all climb down into my fan fiction fort. Well, before we go into the, that, I just want to uh, point this out that the reason that they really started to Trent went back into the studio, uh, was the sheer fact that, um, nine inch nails still owed. Um, mm-hmm. they still owed, uh, interscope, a greatest hits record. And on that greatest hits record, he decided to include two new tracks. Those two new tracks were going to be everything and satellite, uh, which I kind of have to laugh having those oh, two, but like satellite, we, we I could have, talk, we'll sat- talk about those. Yeah, we will. satellite. Yeah. I can kind of seen people being like, okay, yeah. everything. If that's the only one or two tracks you get for, within for years, you would, hut, that would, it's that boy, howdy. something. Yeah. <laughs> did that ever come out? The, no, no, the they never did. I they like how on that, on out. that interview, he says they still owe that. They yeah. still do because <laughs> this is not on, this album is off Columbia. This yeah. is, uh, st- uh, a return to a major label um, after he did um, the slip on uh, just self self released. And Columbia Speaking put of, out the EPs too. Columbia did put out the yeah. EPs. Speaking of the slip, yeah. one thing he mentions in that audio thing is that the slip was very much like tossed off, and is, is it's as immediate as it sounds when you listen to it. He he said something like it was going to be one long song. Was when right. They first That's started. what he said. It yeah, it said it started it was wild. <laughs> it was all going to be Coronado Radiata. Yeah. <laughs> Good pull. I, I didn't um, know that's a that's a. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. For a second, I thought you were. T- What's the name the, of that Phantom album? That's a very exactly, similar name. It's Delirium. Uh, uh, I, that's exactly what I thought you were going for. So, I mean, the Rota. fact that you picked that up yeah. is nuts. So Eric yeah. just name dropped one of the songs off that album off the slip. I think it's Delirium Cordia. Yeah, I, Phantom Moss recorded an album, which is a one song called Delirium Cordia. Is I think the surgery one. The surgery yeah, that's one. Funny. Yeah, that's a good album. I th- I, exactly. That's I funny. Uh, that's anything crazy. Anything Mike Patton re- or Buzz Osborne related are friends of this show. Oh God, that can get you some tr- that gets you into trouble. But anyhow, yeah, <laughs> that's a good album for yeah. what it is. All right, so come down to my fan fiction fort as we look at the connections between. This is this is one of the the times where I actually agree with most of Eric's fan fiction <laughs> of what I know so far. Right, and I haven't heard this, so right. like I'm actually yeah. excited to hear what this is all about. Right, so this all started. The reason, I mean, obviously there's the aesthetic connections to Downward Spiral, which we already talked about the Russell Mills art. But um, reading, and I'm going to read a bit uh, excerpts from this quote from him. But this is where I was like, okay, I really got to look for for connections here. So. I felt uh, aware, like he's been talking about how when he was writing the lyrics to this, he looked back at who he was when he made Downward Spiral. You know, 20 years later, I'm still that guy. 
I know that guy. I feel for him. I don't resent him, but I don't miss him. And, um, you know, basically back then it was like, I'm going to kill myself if I don't get this out of my head talking about songs. And it's not like that anymore, but his motivation, as he says, is similar. Um, he was thinking about romantically about who he was during the downward spiral and that, that, that young, angry, depressed, like drug addled person. Um, and kind of wrote an album about like kind of confronting, confronting that person that he was in the nineties. Um, and, uh, just kind of looking at it, every single song can, can be made that, that connection can be there of him reflecting on that past self. Um, now when I first started doing it, I started doing the thing I, I always do where I, I look for a storyline because there was a storyline in Downward Spiral and I was like, well, if this is a sequel, is this like, is there going to be a storyline sequel? And <laughs> bad Lieutenant port of call New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. It's a spiritual sequel. Right. Not when, direct. It, when it, when it, uh, <laughs> when it starts, I, I was, I, and I'm looking at the lyrics, I'm thinking about it and I'm considering this, this quote, but then I, the one thing I could think of was, and I'm thinking of a Steve, actually a Steve quote about hurt off downward spiral. The very mm-hmm. last line he Best says is, get. is, you know, if I could, you know, if I could keep myself, if I could find a way, mm-hmm. Um, so what if all the violence and all the anger of downward spiral was a fantasy for somebody who felt that way? And he, as Steve said, and I didn't believe him at the time, but maybe hurt was a actual hopeful moment where Mm -hmm. he decides that that's just a fantasy and he's going to do right. And then he does do right. And then hesitation marks looks back on who he was when he was feeling that way. And then I, I said, well, then suddenly it's meta. Then it really is just Trent is that guy who was having a fa- the violent fantasies. And now he is matured and he's looking back on who he was. And really every, and we'll talk about this, but there's so many connections to like, you romanticize it and then you get too close and it kind of, it kind of taints you and it taints the people around you as you, as you let too much of that back in, you've got to find a way to make peace with it. And that's really the theme of the album. Um, it is very meta and not so much a storyline as, um, is very personal him looking at that. Uh, but it's fun to, to see the connections. And so as I was listening, I started kind of falling away from a storyline and more just as of the meta approach to, to a man reflecting on his past and romantically and otherwise and what that can, what that can do to you. Well, I like the idea of anybody doing something where they're reflective for the most part, if they've earned it. And I think that, uh, you know, if I think back even 10 years ago to when I was in my 20s, I'm not the same person by a long shot. I can only imagine being someone 20 years later after having a ton of fame and going through evolutions like this from a self-destructive rock star to having how many kids he has and still trying to uh, keep people employed that he works with and whatnot. You know, it's a, you're a whole different person. So it's a good, it's a good, that's right. It's, 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 it's a good, I think it's, it's something good to, to dig into and either you get something as good as hesitation marks, spoiler, I like the album. Or something as boring as David Bowie's Hours. Exactly. <laughs> that's that is, funny. Yes. Yeah, that's that's good. Ooh, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Um, and as we have grown up with uh, with Nine Inch Nails um, and kind of where we were all at in our personal lives and kind of seeing this reflection, of course, I don't think anyone at this table ever considered going down a very self-destructive path of where it could end in either death or suicide. Um, Or murder. Or murder. But, you know, sometimes (laughs) I I would say probably 
all three of us at one point or another, sometimes you kind of look into the abyss. Yeah. You know, right? And uh, and as you get more responsibility and obligation and you find really good friends and also you find your, your, your partner in life and then you start having kids, yeah, there is going to be this moment of self-reflection where, uh, you know, there is going to be this kind of realization that that guy that maybe you used to be and the thoughts that you used to have, um, you know, and where you are now is kind of, you want to acknowledge that, I hate to use the word journey, but I don't think there's yeah. a better word for it. You can, you can acknowledge a journey, but also you don't got to lose your edge. Right. Which, you know, yeah. exactly. <laughs> right. You don't have to like what you're talking about. Yeah. You be the hours or, you know, David Bowie's yeah. hours record is very sting like in that sense. <laughs> oh, man. And so like, yeah, it's, I, I think what helps that keep that edge in this is the way he's dealing with that is he goes and do, he talks to himself in this album. And a lot of the lyrics, if you look at it, he is, it's, it's his old self and it's his new self talking to each other in a song and all the anger and the violence that came with that old self is just bubbling into the surface. And when you see that line being blurred and, and his current self with the responsibilities in the family, like struggling with that, that's where that, that, that's where that tension is. Well, and, what's, and inter- great. what's interesting about it is that we've knocked him on this show a bit and it's been something that he's taken hits for ever since the first album is a lot of just opening up the journal and being whiny lyrics. And I think that this shows made me appreciate his lyricism and his vocals actually quite a bit. Um, and the lyrics in this album, I think are actually pretty good. They are very self-reflective. They are from kind of a journal of some sort. Right. But these lyrics could not have been written in like 1999. No, sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, basically I started looking for a story and then it turned meta. And then I realized the meta journey was the story. And that in Oh, wow. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> we were the friends we made as we went along or some shit. <laughs> so, minimalistic production, um, hidden album, uh, spiritual sister to Downward Spiral. Who was on this record? A lot of people. A lot of people. We, we'll main, get to that, I mean, we get to that when we get to the tracks because... Well, let's just calm down a second. Oh, All right. Oh, my. I want... Well, because here, here's why I wanted to... to yeah. That's just two big call-outs, three big call-outs. Um, one is uh, the Adrian Ballou comes back. Awesome. He's all over this record. I, mean, I forgot. I didn't know that. that I was, think this I is the so one he's been, been the most uh, uh, involved with. And I think it's perfect because um, this is his more, this is Trent Reznor's more older man album. And also some fans have called it their happy album, which blows my mind. There's nothing happy about this record if you really think about it. Um, Adrian Ballou. Blue, he's all over this thing. And, and I often talk about King Crimson, talk about him again this very episode. Um, his band, King Crimson. There's this King Crimson song uh, called Dinosaur. And uh, I saw King Crimson decades ago with our friend of the show, Sarab, in wine country, Sonoma, somewhere. And when they played the song Dinosaur, and Bottle Shock, Dinosaur is a ridiculous song that talks about being a dinosaur and someone stepping on your bones. It sounds goofy as all hell. When they play it live, I noticed 
that all the old men in the audience like got on their chairs and started dancing and just they were really into it. Really feeling it. Really it feeling it. It was like it was, a Grateful Dead. Yeah, old, like, exactly. Uh, old and in the way. Or it's, what was that one fucking song like? I will. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit more indignant, but uh, right. I figure having him on this record where it's all reflective about growing older was perfect. Was Robert Fripp in, uh, did you see? Was he's he, always been in. Okay, King so he's, he's never left. Okay. Yeah, and he's awesome because he sits. He Who's sits. the drummer? I think there was two drummers that time. I want to say it was Bill Buford. Bill, was, Bill was one Buford, of them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your first King Crimson reference of the night you're going to get. The second one you're going to get is, uh, he wasn't in King Crimson, but the bass player on this album is, Pino, what's his uh, name? Palladino. Pino Palladino. Pino Palladino makes his presence felt. Um, he's played with Elton John, Adele, D'Angelo. Uh, he's on the Gary Newman album, I Assassin. And I think he might be on that track called Let's Take Mystery to Bed or something, which I love that title. But uh, that he's album's a, good. He's That's an the, old pro. He's a studio pro. He is. And he plays fretless often, which I think has a really cool sound. Which yeah, also kind of like Les Claypool. Les Claypool. do fretless. Or... Uh, Tony Levin and King Crimson. Yeah, yeah. So I really think he really, that's such a great choice. That Tony Levin a, also plays bass, I think, with Peter Gabriel, too. I think so. Yeah. It, Trent, Trent did say that like, Pino Palladino taught him like the 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 bass player, the feel you can add to a song. I, I, the quote is is very subtle, but I kind of, as a bass player, <laughs> I kind of knew what he meant. This album uh, is just, <laughs> has, if, if you listen to this album with a good, uh, a, a sound system where you can hear the bass, some of these songs take on a whole new life with some of the the, the, the bass lines that go on. Um, I really, I'm a huge fan of, of what he brought to this album. Adrian Blue was supposed to tour with them too, uh, Nine Inch Nails, when they did the Tension 2013 mm-hmm. tour because that one he expanded the uh, the lineup. He had Alessandro, uh, Robin, um, and well, actually, no, I yeah, think it was going to be Fink a, was Robin there, Fink, but, but, but then no, I don't guy. think Robin Fink was supposed to be there. I think it was supposed to be just oh. Adrian. He was there. He, uh, he was there, there, but then Robin just got Who's subbed in. Who's the other in. guy that eat, uh, eaten? Uh, uh, Josh Eustace. You, uh, you guys want to get here? I'll put a pin in my last point I was going to make. Um, the Tension Tour. Island? Uh, Island was on the drums, and Elon. then we had two yeah. uh, backup singers, too. Yes, the and their names time. were... Um, Sharon Baker and something else? Lisa Fisher and Charlotte Gibson. I was way off. I had to look it up. <laughs> But um, yeah, if you if you if you ever get a chance, I didn't get to see that tour. I didn't see them on any of this. I did see them on uh, when they were touring for Hesitation Marks, but I did not see that lineup. Yeah, they and did I was two. Very disappointed. They did that two. Did. They did two North American tours. They did yeah. the hesit the Tension tour. Closest it came was L.A. at the Staples Center. I remember they did Outside Lands as well, and not with did, that lineup. I don't think. not with that lineup because yeah. I remember they did a live stream, and I was like. This is really good. Yeah, no, they. Um, I actually know it's funny you mentioned that. I listened to that from a rooftop nearby. Yes, you did. And we I were could, texting right. each other yeah. the whole time. I could barely hear it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but so that that lineup, when you watch, go go to YouTube and Google Tension Nine Nails yeah. 2013. The whole concert on there it looks beautiful. It's almost the whole concert. They cut some songs out. Oh, okay. Because it was actually going to be part of a longer video that they never released. Oh, that's right. Um, we're gonna make a. It's great though. Like the visuals are awesome. They're kind of like an updated version of the fragile. And Pino is in the band. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pino's in the so band. Good. Yeah, and he's yeah. just bouncing around, making things groovy. Oh yeah, every they, song's groovier. The way they change the songs is great. Like Sanctified, the version of Sanctified from that era. Is, the version of the Big Come Down is incredible. Yeah, um, very good. The backup singers, I would like. We're old Pink Floyd heads. I love backup singers live. 
when I watched I, that Vivo <laughs> thing, like it reminded me of watching like the momentary lapse of reason exactly. or the yeah. division bell. Like when I, I and yeah. I was just like, I wouldn't mind if they just had backup singers I'll all the time. I'll be fine. I was, I, I, it really did remind me of like was, yeah, watching yeah. those momentary lapse of reason. I, if I, if, so if you, if you take anything away from this episode, if you've never watched that live thing, you should, it's just really fun. I've watched it a few times. And, um, so that was the expanded lineup. Then, yeah, they did this tour with Soundgarden, which I had tickets to. I sold them the day of because I had to go to a wedding that day and by the night before. By His the t- own. No. No. <laughs> this is a year later. Yeah, and by the time, like, we had a five-hour drive. By the time we were getting home, I sold them. Oh, was that the one they were doing the Soundgarden? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I thing, did, that's the one that. Next thing yeah, you know, Chris Cornell's know dead. And, uh, Chris I'm Cornell. Uh, Chris Frenna. Uh, said I, I said oh, Cornell. Okay. <laughs> but you went to that. I did. Yeah. I did. Uh, I was not impressed. That was the first and only time that I ever saw Soundgarden live. Um, and uh, Chris Cornell was kind of a jackass. Um, I love Soundgarden. Don't get me wrong. I am a big, big fan. Um, and like they played some of the hits and I was grooving with it. But uh, just his overall stage demeanor, mm. I was just not feeling. I think he was having a bad night. I've seen them. What I've seen, yeah, you've told me like every time that you've seen them, I've just seen Soundgarden once and it was awesome. That was when they were on tour for Down on the Upside, yeah, a long time ago, long time ago. And then I saw him solo and I liked it, but uh, you know, I have no problems with Chris Cornell as an artist. I'm so glad that the city of Seattle has erected a statue to him. I mean, it's a whole sad tragedy that you know, they actually went went out out that way. They actually, that last album they put out was actually pretty good as far as bands that go away and then come back decades later. Yeah. King, King Animal. Yeah, it was good. All right. Yeah, it was good. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it, it was a different lineup. It was more sparse. It was just Alessandro. Who um, opened? Uh, in front of Soundgarden. I can't. Uh, Death Grips? No, no, no. Death I'm Grips just... canceled on them at the oh, last yeah. moment. Good. Death Grips, we all Death know my Grips issue. Like, can't, uh, like broke up. Right. Yeah, and the I don't world, think he slid world, anyone else in there. World's better off without death without death grips. Um, they're a Sacramento band. Yeah, yeah they are, yeah. and uh, they're overrated. I'm not a fan. Yeah, their instrumental album's fantastic. Whatever. Uh, lead singer's a it's prick. Fashion Week. It's good. Uh, so Nine Inch Nails headlined though. That's why I was, they did. I didn't know yeah. how that worked out. They did. Okay. It was kind of like when because uh, also in the same uh, time frame, Queens of the Stone Age went on tour with them again. Um, but. Yeah. With Soundgarden and Nine Nails, I kind of think you could make a case that maybe Soundgarden could headline some nights. The Queens of Stone Age should always be opening for Nine Nails. They'll, they'll never surpass Nine Nails. No, no, no. Um, and then the As third... we discussed. We did. <laughs> the third <laughs> person that guested on a few songs. This one's kind of out of the blue. This was a... Uh, oh, yeah. The Fleetwood Mac guitarist. Lindsay Buckingham. Buckingham. Is he the one that got kicked out and got all pissed off? Uh, yeah, he's not in the band right now. He got replaced by the guy from the Heartbreakers, Mike Campbell. Um, and Lindsey Buckingham is a fucking national treasure. His guitar playing is amazing. It's good on this. I've I uh, I've grown to like Fleetwood Mac more as I get older. This, Although my favorite thing ever related to them is actually Stevie Nicks' solo song uh, "Edge of 17. Edge of Seventeen is a fucking stone cold classic. It's a great song. But the chain is it's good. It's got some awesome guitar. Fleetwood Mac is a band I had to grow older to appreciate. Yeah, I mean, not everything they do is gold, but uh, you know, I, I I have to say that they're strong band. Yeah. yeah. And so he's on this, and we'll as we you're like fucking start talking about the album. We'll get there. <laughs> At least we've been talking about Nice Nails this entire time instead of a <laughs> Game of Thrones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I looked at it too. There's other guests. There's a, a violin player named. Hold on. Oh, my bad. No wait one. I just wanted to say, 
he's subtle on this record, but his like there's some standout parts that are just hit, like totally his plane that I like. Oh, Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah. Oh yeah. All you right. can tell because he's got a finger picking style. Yeah. He doesn't use a pick. All right. Yeah. Sorry. There's a violinist. You were there saying there is, and I wrote his name down. Oh. Uh, yep. He's somewhere. Um, we'll get to him. <laughs> uh, Eugene Gorester from Autolux is on synths on a couple songs too. Didn't yeah, and uh, he he's the bass player and lead singer of Autolux. Mm. Um, and yeah, they did a remix. Of, they did do a remix, uh, yeah. and I think we'll talk about that. Autolux opened for them way back when in the With Teeth tour. They did, yeah, but I opened. think they may have opened up uh, again on some of this as well. Okay, um, what's your feelings on Autolux? Uh, they're not terribly distinctive, but I like their sound. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. I think they're, they're great. Yeah, they're. Good I think band. they're. I think they're really good. They're they're a band I need to dig into more. Uh, yeah. Future, uh, I think their first record. I want to say I don't want to. I want to say Future Proof, but that doesn't sound right. So pardon me. Yeah. But I I really do enjoy that little three piece. Um, I never was a huge Failure fan, um, because mm-hmm. the guitar player is from Failure. Right. And then Carla, the drummer, uh, she now drums with Jack White a lot hmm. when on his solo stuff, and she's a fantastic drummer. Yeah, no, they're a good band. T Bone yeah, Burnett, uh, I think he they're on his record label. A lot of Cohen Brothers references tonight. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm looking at the set list, the typical set list for the Tension Tour, and they often would play even deeper in the encore. They play even deeper a lot in the encore for the tour they just did too. Why do they like that song so much? I don't know. I mean, it's a really downbeat song. That's never been a song that's ever really like captured me. I think it's a, got some good dynamics, but maybe just, it's just not a. He has, maybe, maybe, not he has fun with the vocals on that song. It might just be the man himself really likes. It, I think he I likes singing it. He and, must. And when they have the backup vocalist on that song too, it, it does stand out. It's. I mean, I guess. has the song "Deep" ever been played live? That'd have been funny yeah. if they pulled that one out in this tour. <laughs> that would have been great for the tension tour. Uh, yeah, because I could actually picture the backup singers yeah. really having a field mm-hmm. day with that. Yeah. Well. All right. All right. Well, this we'll is, take a quick. Let's break, take another break, and then we'll. And get we're going to talk we'll about the Eater of Dreams, track by track. So that was Eater of Dreams, kind of in the style of Pinion, just mm. getting things up and ready. I am well they, documented, act- loving those instrumental intros. They've actually played it. Uh, I, I, this is exactly how I found it worded on the internet. The internet never lies to you. Played alongside Pinion on the Nine Snails. I could see that. Nine Snails, just, Queens of Stone Age tour from Australia and New Zealand. So just what? Just have those play together at the same yeah, time? Yeah, that would work. Bah. Uh, I could probably Mash see that up. happen. Yeah. yeah I so could yeah, see it's that. just it's just weird oscillating sounds, and um, like it sounds like a there a needle skipping. And that was uh, Alessandro and uh, and Trent. That's it. That yeah. that wrote that. I mean, that little like thirty five seconds, forty yeah. seconds, fifty two of, of fifty two, <laughs> just under a minute. Um, and then there is some indistinguishable vocals on there, but if no you really listen, it sounds like he might be saying the eater of dreams, but that just might be me. <laughs> 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 
That was pretty good, though. <laughs> All right, so that was the intro. Well, and I would, and I just, just, just. Really well, you have something? Really no, really yeah, quick. I want to hear your Gettysburg address on Eater of Dreams, as uh, Steve put it. So there's two different ways to look at what this song means and why it's on the album. Um, if back to like storyline wise, as I was talking about before, if the downward spiral was a fantasy of a man with depressed, depressed, violent, violent thoughts. Um, the eater of dreams could just be just a direct link to just a, a corrupt, a corrupting fantasy, or it could be, he is who he is now, but as his old self kind of rises up and kind of corrupts him from the inside. Um, whenever I hear that swarmatron, which he uses again in this, uh, I can't, uh, it, it makes me think of the way it was used in social network, which was just to bring that corruption through an otherwise like pleasant melody. Um, anyways. There's a couple, that's a couple different ways I was looking at it. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I subscribe to the second one. Okay. But uh, I can see the first one. All right. I don't really have any. Uh, I, don't, I, 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 just, I think it's just a build I, I, up into. If, sure. If one of your storylines is going to be, this is basically a, a audio version of the movie, The Dark Half. I don't, I don't know if I buy it. <laughs> uh, or Raising Kane. I mean, <laughs> maybe. You're not far off with The Dark Half. <laughs> I mean, perhaps, uh, you know, there's always this theatrical element to Nine Inch Nails live and on record of uh, kind of a overarching narrative or a theme. And this just feels like it's just a ramp up to um, letting the curtain yeah. fall and to actual the, uh, okay. the narrative starting. Fair, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But uh, just as who I am who I am, uh, <laughs> as Popeye once said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And why would based on what based on what he has said this album is? Why would he call it the Eater of Dreams? That just makes me just that title obviously has some significance. So my mind goes to places, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying they're right. I'm saying that's where my I mind. get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, like what 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 dream? What's eating the dreams? Is the dream who he became? He thought he could be somebody completely different, and the Eater of Dreams is that you know that true self that he's buried kind of. Bar- barreling through. Well, I guess if you're going in that route, the eater, eater of dreams is, I mean, this in terms of the music is just that creeping up, you know, kind of uh, feeling, you know, that sense of foreboding. Um, right. And again, it goes back to his composition work on the films, sure. right? Sure. I think we're all saying the same thing I, here. And Steven's clearly, like, we're talking about no, this goddamn too much. The eater of dreams is clearly the character known as God Money coming back to cause trouble. <laughs> there you go. That's you uh, see, a true puck. A true guys, trickster. Yeah, we, we have this board. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a small drawing of every character named in the Nine Nails records. There's a, there's Mr. God Money. There's uh, Johnny Mr. Ruiner. Don't forget yeah, about Piggy. Piggy's there. Piggy's there. Piggy's there. Yeah. Um, there's a God see, himself on yeah, Heresy. Sure. Yes. There's a. Oh, that's, oh yeah. That's about as much as we're getting out of that. <laughs> Oh, all right, so right. let's go into the next track, if yeah. you don't mind. There's Mr. There's Mr. Wish, I've said, and he looks like something out of a Clyde Barker book. <laughs> I've said my truth. We can move on. All right, so let's hear a little bit of copy of uh. Oh.
That was a track played at the second San Francisco show that we did not get to see, and I would have loved to have seen, copy of A or copy of A. I guess it depends on where you're from in California. Uh, I did see this one. This is what they opened up with um, uh, when I saw them at the uh, Soundgarden Nine Inch Nails show. Um, and they came out, uh, Trent came out to the stage alone before even the stage lights uh, dropped. And so people were, were like more caught off guard that just Trent's just kind of walking out. And then he's just grabs the mic and then each of the individual band members come out as the different um, musical components kind of layer in. Oh, that's perfect. Um, so, and then all of a sudden when things get really crazy, that's when the lights drop. Yeah, that's the point yeah. where it goes boom, boom, weep, boom. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what part <laughs> you're talking about. This is yeah. a great song. This one's yeah. got Lindsey Buckingham. Uh, this one's got Pino. This one's got Ilan and uh, Elon. And this one's got... Um, Siri, you, Siri wanted to just you, jump that in there. Uh, this one also has... Uh, I just love the repeated vocal effect and how it just goes perfectly in time and, and gets bigger as to go with the theme of the song. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's a great song. I, uh, it's a perfect album starter. It really gets your blood pumping. Um, I, uh, I have nothing bad to say about this song. It, it introduces something on this album though that I like is that this album has elements of the talking heads on it. Yeah. I don't know exactly. Totally. They might be the percussive elements and some of the weird pacing. But definitely the the rattling percussion on this song reminds me of some of the best Talking Heads songs. Did you ever listen to the record Fear of Music uh, by Talking Heads? Because I, I, every think, I know exactly what once. you're talking about because yeah. it does seem like this would fit right in on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you imagine, like, even... I could imagine David Byrne in his suit. Exactly. And, like, <laughs> I, I hate dancing. Um, this song makes me want to get up and kind of like, yeah, all right. You know, this is a, it's a danceable track. It is. It's a good yeah. one. Thematically, now let's hear it. <laughs> uh, it's—I it, mean—it's pretty straight out there, but it—it—it it, it sets the concept of the album perfectly. It's like a perfect set piece for the concept of the album, the duality of 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 how he's feeling. Um, basically, he's making a doppelganger of himself over the years, copy of a copy of. He's—he's you know—he played the part, um, play, you know, basically playing your part, doing what you're supposed to do, and he is who he is. But he kind of does feel like a fraud. He feels like he's definitely like a cog now that fits into a machine as opposed to who he is. And, and this is his journey back to that to maybe find some realness. And this is just the beginning of it. Just kind of accepting like, you know, sure things are great, but am I me anymore? And that's it. Yeah. I do really like the repetitive nature, uh, the lyrical tricks uh, that he's putting on this. A copy of a copy of a yeah, copy of a... Yeah, the way they do that. You're expecting him to finish the sentence and also imprinted with a purpose, with a purpose, with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do really just... Those little lyrical vocal tricks that uh, is on this really does hammer that point home <clears throat> about the repetition of uh, either falling into the same cycles um, of behavior... Uh, falling into the same cycles of relationships, uh, I, I think it's great. The uh, it's a neat it, little trick. It also doesn't help that I listen to this right after I finished that the book, the critical analysis of industrial that I read, which basically ties down like every industrial album has a theme of man versus machine, and what is that machine? That can be a lot of different things. It could be politics, it could be society rules. You know that you're supposed to. So this album's kind of looking at, you know. When the man becomes the machine, how do the uh, you know how does the man break away again? Kind of thing. 
Yeah, and uh, and also in the courses, look what you had to start while the change of heart. You need to play your part. Um, you're just a copy of a copy of a copy of a... Uh, because, you know, you've got this tendency to just want to repeat and repeat, repeat what you've done because it feels comfortable and right. normal. And all of a sudden you're changing uh, your perspective and uh, maybe you're that internal struggle. And as we, we all remember from the Michael Keaton film, Multiplicity... Remember, oh, of course. remember yeah. what happened uh, when yes. you became the fifth copy of the copy? <laughs> <laughs> Why I, wasn't this song? In the I take all my lessons from, from that kind of uh, subject matter from Calvin and Hobbes. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, scientific progress on Boink. Yeah. Um, it's a great track. Uh, that first time those the, the, drum, the, the drums roll in with the, like, there's a lot of different percussive elements in this song, but there's that part where the do 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 You know what I'm talking about? I that, know. I know. That, that's yeah. great. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of weird social networky drones in this track that that kind of just down 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 down. It's it's something. Yeah. And that pulsating just this album's very informed by the social network. Is it, it, it the a lot of pulsing. There's a little something that reminds me of In Motion. Yeah, exactly. And the bass work is uh, you got to kind of he doesn't put it as prominent as you would probably hope. It just kind of giving you that sensation, that feel um, all throughout the song. If you listen to it with a good pair of headphones or speakers, um, you can absolutely feel the groove um, that's being laid down. Oh yeah, I've never seen it live, but watching videos of it live with Robin Fink tearing it up is really fun. Yeah, he gets into it, and I guess in this case that'd be Lindsey Buckingham or maybe Trent. Uh, yeah, on, on record, that's probably Lindsey Buckingham, yeah. Or, yeah, you're right. That's uh, a great song. Um, the promo artwork for the, the it, it had a, a promotional single, and um, the promo artwork was this right here. Mm. And uh, you don't know what I'm looking at because I'm looking at a photo of it, but it kind of looks like something off an old, like, Frontline Assembly or Skinny Puppy album cover. Um, yeah. It's a great track. Um... God, I can't remember that year on the Grammys. Um, Queens of the Stone Age and Nine Inch Nails uh, did a song together. Um, Lindsey Buckingham was on stage with them. And uh, I remember famously they cut off. uh, First, Nine Inch Nails did their song. I want to say it was Copy of a. Mm -hmm. And then it went into God is the Sun um, off of... uh, uh, like clockwork mm. and uh, it rolled the credits and it cut that performance no. short. And I remember Trent Reznor and Josh were like, we'll never fucking play the Grammys again after that. Right. I can't remember if it was copy of it or if it was, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was. Probably was. Yeah. Um, do you guys remember a few years ago, some really uh, cute motherfucker on the internet put out some song out there. He said was like a, Trent Reznor's song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. It was oh, yeah. not funny at all. No. And also... This is a Trent... Yeah. Re- yeah. It just sounded like this song, which is a song which talks about being a copy of yourself. Yeah. But this song sounds like no other Night Nails song. It really does. It doesn't... And so that little meme where he was like trying to say every Trent Reznor song or every Night Nails song sounds like this. It's like, no, it sounds like copy of a... And it sounds like nothing else. So Weird, well, Al, argue, Weird Al, you are not, sir. Yeah, so well, that, I yeah. would argue that every artist has... a. A particular, a particular palette of um, sounds that they use um, on their canvas. Yeah, I mean, it, you can go down the list. Uh, David Bowie has his own sound. Um, Nine Inch Nails has their own sound. Um, Phantomas has their mm-hmm. own. I mean, Mike Patton has his own little pastiche of like you can tell when Mike Patton is working on something. 
Um, and the list goes on. I mean, like, I think that's unfair for... I'm, I know I'm on my soapbox here a little yeah, bit. But, to be uh, like, yeah. well, now, sir, that is not funny and not appreciated. That's it's not just, what well, I'm it's saying. Well, it's just not the premise of the joke. The logic of the joke doesn't hold up because it, you could say that about any artist. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, exactly. exactly. Totally. Yeah. And uh, he just wanted to wear, like, cool goggles and shit in a video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't dignify it with a link. I'll tell you yeah. that much right now. <laughs> <laughs> because the internet's already forgotten about that guy. So that's the opening track, and it goes into Came Back Haunted. So let's hear a little bit of Came Back Haunted. Haunted. That's a highlight of the album. Um, you've got uh, these synth swoops that go with the beat, um, and uh, just these this almost almost kind of like sassy winking kind of uh, vocal delivery. Where what he's singing about is, you know, going like when you un unbottle that genie and <laughs> you're kind of going back you're connecting to your old ways. You can't really help yourself. It's kind of fun. And, uh, and there is consequences, but it's kind of fun. And he, and, and he's getting closer to it and, and, and kind of enjoying it. What's interesting is this is a perfect sister song to copy of a, it's, it's an eight beat per minute difference between the two. So they're almost like, if you listen to them back to back as you should, there I mean, it just, they flow together so perfectly. Um, and uh, and very like they're he's taking the themes of copy of it and then going like okay well what happens when we explore who we used to be we do it and we come back stained and then it's like we come back infected and it basically spreads throughout our lives but it's kind of fun doing it and that's the song and it's it's pretty entertaining. I don't get that from this. <laughs> what do you think the song's about? <laughs> What I'm thinking about might be taking a few years off from making music and then coming back and doing it again. That's exactly. I took it almost as a literal. I might thing. be a little bit more literal here. That's exactly what I I took it as too. Okay, I was well, way look, more literal in my, uh, my in my interpretation that he was like, "Hey fans, guess what? I came back. Yeah, I came back haunted." 
Because <laughs> I, I would not like this, this song. The, if that's what it was. This was the first single uh, off the record. Yeah, oh, I, think, yeah. I think he's saying, yeah, he's literally saying like, I've, I've come back. Yeah, it's and a, it was kind of the resurgence of Nine Inch Nails, and plus this. Uh, this album is also a landmark in the sense that it's now entering the next chapter of Nine Inch Nails sure. and the new new kind of uh, type of sound. Um, but yeah, that's what I took it as. But I think also if you, you were, if you were to uh, <clears throat> separate it from any kind of uh, lyrical uh, theme, it does do a good job of just like maybe, you know, a guy goes to war and comes back haunted. It, uh, it paints that picture well. Yeah. Does that too, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good, you know, art. I just, I feel like there's more to it than just, hey, I'm back. <laughs> like, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Some Shady's uh, second record. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, guess you know, who's back? I, it does. It does tie to some PTSD stuff. And I think part yeah. of that comes through, you know, trying to get away from the, tr- the trauma of kind of what, how he feels he was. I mean, he almost died, you know, kind of back then and, and kind of put that away. And then when he starts re-exploring that, how he can, you know, it, it can then, like I said, infect other parts of his life. And it, and it comes up about how it might affect his relationships, that at least he's worried if he starts, you know, romanticizing that part of his life, how it could change the good things in his life. And this is kind of starting to play with that thing. Yeah. He goes into that more directly later, but I see some of those early things here. Yeah, no, I, I, I will agree with that sort of, uh, I, again, I think it's more that self-reflection I think it's uh, him realizing that uh, he went through this shitty period and even though um, he's trying to move on with the best of his life, he still does have this thing that kind of keeps coming back. Right. Um, I, I do understand and what I, and you're I saying. And I think what's cool about the song is it works on a lot of levels. Like, yeah, you're talking about the PTSD of soldiers, and I think that those those ties are there. That could be related, absolutely. And but then also just like, you know, having moved on past the trauma, it's not gone. It's always there. And, and, um, anyways, but let's talk about this video. The video makes no sense. I mean, the video is just there for it's, 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 it's so just it's, a work of art, and you can, it's definitely David Lynch, uh, uh, when he makes just artistic statements. Well, I mean, yeah, closer doesn't make any sense. It's closer not a story, to, yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah, it's I just, mean, it's uh, just great visuals, great visuals, great visuals, and epilepsy warning. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Why they don't have those at their concerts as yeah. well is beyond me. At this well, you point. know what? Actually, I saw on Instagram somebody was posting. They were putting up epilepsy warnings, at least in L.A. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I saw some of those. So Holy I didn't see shit. those at our show. I didn't either. So the David Lynch video, it's it's red and white, like flickering boxes, and then images of like a ballerina flance across but the a, screen. But there's a bug on her. Yeah, yeah. She's got like, a and then it shows like close-ups of Trent Reznor singing while they're shaking the camera. Yeah, and and he's got little beads on his face, and uh, mm-hmm. and then it cuts to like this weird potato face. Yeah, like, the potato the, face, potato face that, that David Lynch loves it's, to it's, use. It's worth a watch. Is this like the, the second or third collaboration between Trent and Lynch, and it won't be the last? Probably not. Uh, or is something in the pipeline? No, no. There's another one in Twin Peaks to return. The United oh, Nails. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a floating mouth of Trent Reznor that cracks me up in the video where it just shows his mouth. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great... I love this video. Oh, so the video's it, fine, it's yeah. It's, a, it's it's entertaining. It's a, it's a kind of a mind fuck. Not, not to try to understand it because there's no reason to. I don't think just there has a, been another music video for anything else after this, right? Uh, less than... Does have like a produced yes. music video. There you go. That's actually it's the yeah. the video yeah. game one. Good segue, yeah. Eric, because besides the video and the fan fiction, the sound of this song uh, 
It's Alessandro Cortini, Trent Reznor, and uh, Ilan Rubin are the uh, the three musicians on it. Yeah, I like how he's just playing toms on this too. And that uh, the the the, the synth sound that kind of jumps around, it kind of reminds me of how Trent Reznor or Nine Inch Nails started doing elements of uh, like throwback sounds to uh, earlier, less complicated. Um, electronic music and that definitely kind of reminded me of less than oh i totally you see the connection listen there? to that when i heard it yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah that that reaches out and gets me the song does something very weird and it's not just because the first lyric is a uh, the throat is deep and the mouth is wide <laughs> <laughs> but uh there's some parts where the whooshing there's whooshing there's whooshing electronics make me feel like the room is moving out from under me it's uh it, 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 it gives you a very, like, a disoriented feeling of things growing around you and getting bigger. Um, the production on it's great. And um, how can you not love the guitar, the guitar breakdown? The, uh... That's great. That kills me. And then right when it gets done doing the guitar breakdown, it has this swarming... Swarming. Swarm. Stay with that because yeah, that is a really good yeah, is, analogy for what the, the guitar swarm, sound is. I don't know if it's a swarmatron or just swarming. It's just swarming guitars. Yeah. But it's, it's like a swarming it's guitar sound. It makes, it makes a very large sound that reminds me of the Ruiner when it has the trumpet blasts yeah. Yeah. that uh, get you. Yeah. Actually, listening to this song, I listened to the Ruiner right after it because it gave me the same feeling. Yeah. Um, and they went really well together. Yeah, so, it's a cool song. Great song. It I'm even really has cool. like these Blade Runner chimes after every certain few beats. It's uh, right. Yeah, it's just a, it's a like a lot of this album. It leaves room for things to breathe, but there's a lot of sounds going on. But unlike the downward spiral, where it's just hyper condensed and you have to like, maybe you get lucky if you hear it. If you just focus on this record, you can hear like a lot of shit. But they give you enough room to hear all the different right playful sounds that are going on. Yeah, you know, as you're saying that, it does kind of make me think in my head. Um, you know, as much as I love the downward spiral, it does sound uh, more confined, more compressed in that sense of the, I mean, there's big, big areas where the sound really explodes. Um, but in terms of just how the guitar sounds, it sounds very just compressed. Mm-hmm. Guitar, uh, guitar could be a keyboard for all we know. You know sure. It, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, but on it's this, big, but it's compressed. And it, yeah, exactly. Um, maybe it's because the guitar work on this album is not as, uh, prominent i would say than the downward spiral um it probably just for the advance of the studio trickery that we have nowadays even though this album is now what six years old Mm. coming up on six years Mm -hmm. old um it it definitely just feels a little more expansive i don't know it's it's used as both a background instrument and um and then intently to drive the uh dynamics but never is like uh all right let's shred let's shred with that lead guitar for a second no i mean every now and then there's a good guitar moment but yeah it, it facilitates the dynamics good uh, track good track fantastic I'm, I'm a fan all right well let's hear a bit of the next one which is find my way Lord, my path is gone astray i'm just trying to find my
so that was uh, Find My Way. Um, I do really enjoy this song. I really like it a lot. And I, uh, when I first heard this record, I was actually surprised by where it was placed in the album because this is kind of a downbeat song. I would expect this to be almost towards the end. The album's version of Hurt, so to speak, and Right Where It Belongs and uh, Zero Sum. Um, but I'm fine with actually where it's placed uh, as I listen to this album more and more and more. I've listened to this album a lot, and I do really enjoy the the minimalism and the sparse of the uh, the beginning, and then it really starts to get uh, more layered. Mm-hmm. And as Steve was saying, with that uh, kind of swarming, uh, foreboding, atmospheric guitar work um, <coughs> on this track, it's Adrian Ballou that's providing additional guitars, and then uh, Trent Reznor was basically doing everything else. Yeah, this song definitely starts mm-hmm. as one thing and it ends as another. It does. What I what I like about this sequence wise is, I mean, you have your instrumental opening, then you have two very intense, poppy, like upbeat almost, singles basically, yeah. And then it drops down, but in a way, the melody of this song is almost more catchy than even those last two ones, even though it's slower and yeah, as you said, like more downbeat and almost more ballad like. Yeah. Um, but it is a good way to like take a breath after those two songs, but still stay engaged because it's got those real earworm melodies. Yeah, and uh, lyrically, uh, this is the first time I've really ever... I mean, it's kind of the antithesis of heresy where he's actually, you know, saying there is no God, God is dead, and this and that, and pretty much uh, very angst-ridden. This one is, uh, Lord, my path has gone astray. Um, Pray the Lord my soul to take. I mean, there's a lot of um, allusions to actually looking towards religion to see if he could be potentially saved in the uh, in a one sense or the other, um, so it's just very interesting to hear those kind of lyrics coming from Trent Reznor. Um, I don't know where he he lands on his religious affiliation, if he even believes in any sort of religion or any higher power. Uh, maybe since he's gone sober, maybe that is one through, I know going through well, AA or any sort of, uh, like you know, anonymous, right. You know, I don't see him going through a 12 step program, but part of that 12 step program is, um, you know, giving yourself to a higher power. No, I can see that. Know? I can see the 12 step part, but I just think he's too cynical to just the yeah. classic idea of a, a higher being godlike character. I couldn't see. I gave those you know. lyrics a lot of thought too. Um, and it could be it could be that it could be him using there i mean they're essentially you know phrases that have been used you know many times before you know just kind of connect like kind of connecting your soul to to um you know to basic basic prayers um and also part of it is i wonder if there's almost like a um He's used God and love before, like interchangeably. Like I'm thinking of closer, and I almost wonder, like, if you the lyrics of this really go into like what I was talking about before, as as far as like um, you weren't supposed to see, like all these things you weren't supposed to see. Um, it looks like they're here to say uh, um, you weren't supposed to see these things inside of me. He could be saying that to God, and he could be saying that to like, like you know you know, his wife or, you know, or the his fans. family, his family or the fans. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he could be using God 
and the you know his loved ones or things he cherishes like interchangeably as a way to just kind of talk more about what he considers his soul i, I don't know it's just it could be any of those things it, but um i i also am like agree with steve like he seems a little too cynical to, for to be flat out him talking to god in the song i feel like other things could be represented by 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 what he's calling god but yeah that could be wishful thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song. This song has a lot. It's another song has a lot of space in, with it, where I feel like it, they let notes drift out into forever. And um, one subtle touch I enjoy on it is it really is in the chorus, as much as there's just like a minor and a major piano key just played back and forth to each other. Yeah, um, it's really enjoyable, and um, nothing about it's really in your face, even at the end as it gets louder and more stuff kind of like comes into it. It's never oppressive. Um, one thing that I had to have the internet point out to me was that it basically answers, it really gets literal, the downward spiral tie-in, where he says, towards the end, he says, uh, I have been to every place. I have been to everywhere. At the end of I do not want this, he says, I want to know everything. I want to be everywhere. Interesting, so, yeah. I, I, I I, I did almost, see that as well. It's on almost the too yeah. on the. I mean, it's almost too on the nose. But at the same time, like that can't be a coincidence. I don't think you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it. I kind of read that as you know that song on Downward Spiral. That's during the big trilogy where there's a lot of violent fantasy happening, and that's where he poses the question. And now he's actually lived his life. He's a real damn person, and he can kind of say those things and still you know still say he's lost, even right. though he has an answer to those questions. You see, you say that, but I think sometimes, like, this is a, uh, I don't think he feels, like I think almost like he's, like, accepting that he's an old man that has kids. Right. When I, when I say lost, I don't mean, I mean, I mean, I think that's the point of this album, is yes, he is that, and he is accepting of that, and he is accepting that, that um, he still feels lost, and that's okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yes, I think the last track speaks to that. Yeah. His um, vocal performance on this song um, does it for me. Oh, no, it's yeah, good. It's so this good. Al, he, he, he's, uh, Highs said, and lows. I said before, I've, I've uh, eaten plenty of crow about in the first episode of the show saying that he like, just was not a good singer. I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes you stick, you get an idea in your head and you stick with it. Sure. You know, and just know the, the way he's from with teeth on, he gets he becomes such a better vocalist. Yeah. This, uh, this has a lot of that. Um, some of the pacing in the song is, is good. And uh, that's a good song. It's one, it's not in my top 10 or anything, but I've noticed that a lot of, uh, speaking to other fan friends of this band, this seems to be a very popular song as far as this album goes among people. Yeah, uh, I, I really like it a yeah, lot. I mean, it's not my favorite one on the record, but um, I always, it's a very reflective song. I'll, I'll be honest, when I uh, hear it, I can't help but sing along to it. Um, and... I would say this is his closest thing to having like a hymnal or like, you know, Nick Cave definitely falls into those realms where he, uh, you know, starts singing about kind of Lord mm-hmm. and God yeah. and everything like that. And I think this is the closest that he's gone to like kind it. of a Nick Cave right. yeah. sort of space. I don't right. know. Yeah. 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 And I think Nick did way more heroin though, but yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. so, uh, you want to go to the next one? Yeah. I can never wait to go to the next one. All right, so let's yes. hear a little bit of All Time Low. Go low. I've heard all I need to know. Your voice 
And here we have the lyrical successor to Where Is Everybody and the musical successor to The Big Come Down, a great song called All Time Low. Space uh, funk. It is space funk. It's a uh, robo-funk while you wouldn't believe. There's even a touch of Swamp Dustrial buried in there, actually. I also um, even heard uh, elements of uh, David Bowie's fame. I can see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's just a great track. I have track. another David Bowie reference to the song. It's yeah. funky. Yeah. It's, uh, I think this song is probably what inspired them to get the backup singers involved. Yeah, I, I can see that. It's, uh, it's, it might. I love the get down on the floor, shut the goddamn door. Yeah. And it's done in such a high register. It's like the Prince era, like register. Yeah, and then the backup singers do that. There are some, uh, there's some yeah. Reznor falsetto on here. Yeah. The, da, 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 da. Shut the yeah. God. I don't even know where to begin with how much. There's not one thing. Vultures. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not one bad thing about this song. So good. Um, and I think it's it's after the uh, tranquility as dark as it is, the last track. It's a great, uh, it picks up the pace, but not too much. Um, it's a great funky song. I love it. Uh, I can keep going, but Eric, what, what do you got to say about it? Oh, I, musically, I completely agree with you. I mean, this is and, a, and musically, it would be a Adrian Blue, Pino, and Trent Reznor. Yeah. That's it. Yep, and it's a high water mark on the album. It's so good, high water mark on their career. It's a fantastic song. Watching it on that um, Tension Tour live, I mean, it just they just brought down the house. It doesn't get more fun than that. Like Nine Inch Nails never gets more fun than that than that than that moment. That was really cool. Yeah, if you were to you know, like I was saying, uh, where is everybody? Which I never play live. I feel like you could do. And the where is everybody uh, tie there? I told Mark this years ago. Is I feel like any song where Trent Reznor talks about trying to get somewhere and being like physically lost, like I feel like this is like somewhat like a dad that lost him the fucking map and doesn't know where to go. <laughs> and where is everybody? Kind of feels the same way. Right. But uh, that song, all time low, deep, and then. The big come down would make just like a mini, like a great mini. <laughs> See, EP. I also hear the drum beat from Closer on this song too. Well, it's funny you mentioned yeah. that because at some live shows he sings the chorus to Closer yeah. during. Uh, it does. It's on tension. Yeah. 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 During the uh, the stretch across the sky part. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Um. I mean, if it, it seems that this song, if uh, if this album happened to be the final Nine Inch Nails album, I could see him making a reference to a lot of his previous works in order for it to kind of close the chapter mm-hmm. on Nine Inch Nails, kind of like just finishing it out. Sure. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, you know. But when I heard this song in particular, I was like, wow, there's a lot in the meat grinder in this one. Have you ever watched that any of those live Romstein videos from last year where they play a song that's not in any album? Was it live in Paris? It's or, not on live in Paris. No, it's 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 some of the it's unofficial. Mm, it's unofficial. No. They they made this song. I want to say it's called like Rom Four, and they just start name dropping all their songs in a manner which just warms my heart. And uh, it's a much more on the nose version of what like this would be. <laughs> but uh, new album coming out in April. So April, really? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'll be there with bells on. Lyrically, um, this song is probably one of the most. Hard to follow, um, but not in a bad way. It, it makes sense. What I kind of boiled down to it, just all time low, is where he's kind of essentially, be it fantasy or not, has succumbed to his to his old ways. And the verses are actually pretty violent and realistic. 
and the choruses are him kind of enjoying the, the, the trip and enjoying the ride. And it kind of goes back from like a harsh reality to enjoying the ride. Um, and I feel like for this, it's like, it's almost him saying like, if he was to hit his all time low, it would be, it would be to like go back into the drugs and addiction and how the verses are like, how bad that would be. And the chorus is like, well, and also how fun it would be, but how bad and like dealing with that. Um, there is a, bo- the, the, I feel like ashes to ashes by Bowie. He sings about, you know, major Tom's a junkie all time low. He sings that lyric, particular lyric in that too. Holy oh, shit. Never thought yeah, about right that. in front of my fucking face. Good job, Eric. Yeah. So <laughs> every once in a while you strike gold. <laughs> There's that connection as well. And that, that song is also yeah. space funk in its own way. So yes, it definitely is. God damn it. You son of a bitch. And the one I was going <laughs> to say... If you, want, if you want to get really cosmic, that's the song that's in that goddamn M2 promo I talked about. Talking With the about underwater song. The water uh, thing, yeah. Yeah. which got us and, really into David Bowie. And you know what's track five on Downward Spiral? Closer. This is also fucking track five. Yeah. Ah! A- <laughs> Crack the code. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them through the Matrix Guys, right now. I talk a lot of bullshit, but every now and then. <laughs> oh, that's good. Good job. It can't be. It's not a coincidence. I refuse to believe it is. Yeah. Uh, it's too much fun. So anyways. Great that's awesome. And what a, what a, what a, I couldn't pick a funner song to have all those connections. So Yeah. No, so the 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 bass on this song is incredible. P- Paladino it, back it, at it again. It really just boom. But I, I can't even, even at my best mouth bass, I can't do it. It's a really moves all around. It moves up and down. Yeah. Um, the uh, the plucking that vacillates between the, from speaker to speaker. That's very fragile s to me. Mm-hmm. You know, bouncing around with this yep. weird plucking sound. Yep. yep. And uh, I guess that. Uh, It'd be either Adrian or Trent. Um, yeah, it's a, another track where a lot of shit's going on, but you can hear everything. And that's, that's what I like about it. Like, this is an ultimate headphone album. If you turn this album yeah. way up, you hear a whole other record. It's, uh, it's not meant for, I don't know, car speakers or anything. It really sounds yeah. great on headphones. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I've always enjoyed this song. I've always seen the connection uh, to uh, everything else that we've just been talking about, with, with the exception of all time, uh, Ashes to Ashes. Like, it was right there. <laughs> <laughs> just ready to be picked up. Um, but, yeah, this... Uh, I love this song. The it's, echo it's of song. the, hey, hey, everything is not okay. The way it echoes off is great. Yeah. And there's also great spoken word multi-tracks underneath the singing on some of those verses. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that before. On what part? Just, the hate, just the, speak the lyrics while you're singing it? The maybe? part I just heard. Pause the recording. <laughs> make All right, so Mark heard it. So I, there. I heard it, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah it's it right exists. there. Yeah. I didn't catch that until I heard this record for this weekend. I've listened to this album dozens of times. And uh, yeah, there's a spoken word multi-track underneath the other vocals. It's very much there. That's wild. Yeah. And I've listened to plenty of Trent Reznor interviews, so I know what his damn voice sounds like. Very bored yeah. with everything. <laughs> just unaffected by anything, just monotone, one one level. All right, well, uh, let's go on to the next track. Uh, the next one is Disappointed. Let's hear a little bit of that. If I were you
appreciate it quite a, quite a bit because as it starts this is another one of the tracks where it reminds me of like a a quickly brisked talking head song but then as it goes on the the dread swarms come in and uh it's it's a, it's a good track it's it's really like almost clubby dancey when you just hear the music before anything else comes in it's got hand claps yeah 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 um and but definitely just one drum machine kind of sound although at some point Eugene Gorister from Autolux does participate in the song on uh, Synthesizers. As to what point, I don't know. Who is on this song, by the way? I didn't write it down. Uh, Just Trenton, Eugene. Okay. Um, Are you finished with your point? I don't want to cut you off. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Um, So I'm going to be a minority here, and I've never really responded to this song. Um, It kind of reminds me of Radiohead or Tom York's later work, uh, which is kind of boring, like uh, the Atoms for Peace. Um, It, I... uh, I like electronic music. I I, I do, but I really kind of feel that this song has cool elements but doesn't really kind of go anywhere. Um, So... I have I have that same opinion of a later song, I've so I get it. Re- I've really had to work on trying to like this one. Um, I think I might know the other song that you're talking about. We'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I don't um, disagree with you. I mean, I put down two stars for the song, so it's it's not. One could say that Mark is disappointed. You know, <laughs> like I was going to make that joke <laughs> that uh, I, I think it's an aptly named song no, because like I, said, I was not 100 percent excited about this. It song. had to grow on me, so I'm not going to go climbing a hill and have a battle of uh, all the love, of the all world. love the world proportions. Yeah. I, I get it, but I am um, kind of surprised that you guys are like pretty okay with this song. This is where one thing that sets us apart from Tom York, which I do see. Like I remember when his solo album came out, yeah, it was just like this repetitive like. Bleep right, bleeds and loops, yeah. But and with his like, yeah, it sounded like yeah, it sounded like actually, any other radio yeah. album in the last fifteen got years. Some melody to this, there is melody to his vocal delivery in this in a good way. Well, there's more dynamics yeah. at the end of this track. Right. What we well, that's that's one thing right. that saves it for me is anytime the swarm whooshes come. Right, I I like that. Right, and I think um, I appreciated this more after I heard the interview because when he's talking about what he did with space on this album, like you'll hear like the drum like go, but then you'll listen and you'll be a little guitar going. With every bass drum hit, sure. And just kind of hearing that notice, it's just kind of fun to see how he. That could just be dead air, but he. One thing with that space. One thing I do like that it does is, um, I haven't scrutinized it as much as I have. Um, every day is exactly the same, but I think those damned hand claps stay at the same beat throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, despite what's going on around it. Yeah. Um, it's all right. It's not you know nothing, <clears throat> nothing right home about. I think if it wasn't on the album, I don't even know if I would be. I'd, I'd miss it. I would be I would be disappointed if they played disappointed live. Mm. Uh, if I w- saw them sure. live, I would be like, oh, yeah. There's so much other stuff yes. you got to do with that. I mean, when you see a band live, you're on precious time. Exactly. You know, as we as we learned a few weeks exactly. ago. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You want to be able to uh, fill that 90 minutes or whatever how long they're going to play with 
songs that are going to hit you at an emotional level, and this right. one just kind of washes over me. So where the drummer takes a break, and he puts the drum machine on. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, a couple more things, I'll kick it over to Eric um, for lyrical content. Uh, I do like the second half of the song. The uh, the pace kicks up a bit during, you know, yeah. uh, the, uh, I don't even know where to pinpoint it, but it gets it moves a bit faster as it goes along. And also, um, did you did you guys read that there's lyrics in this song that are in the? They do that old trick of uh, there's lyrics in the booklet that aren't in yeah, the, yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been yeah that old that old yeah classic bit. Wasn't that he they did that? They did it a lot in Pretty Hate Machine. Pretty Machine. Uh, Didn't they do it on Downward Spiral too? Did I think he's done it on maybe more a few times. than not? Yeah, yeah. right. And I, I think on the Fragile. Yeah. One last thing, um, despite my boredom with all things related to Radiohead, ever since. Let's see. It was the last uh, pyramid song. That was the last time I really loved them. Uh, the song on the Tom York solo album that's also on the credits for the Prestige is a great song. That's a great song. Yeah, that's a yeah. great song. That's on the Adams for no, I think that's on the Eraser. It's on his solo. Yeah, album. A, yeah. Those, yeah, that's right. It's a great song. What about these lyrics here? Uh, not a lot to say. There's but a Superman reference. There is in a this. super. There's a first comic book <laughs> reference that he does. Um, is it? Yeah, look at you, Superman. No, I know, I know, but is, is there not any other? Well, it could be talking about the, you could be talking about the Uberman, which was the. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Niche, the Nietzsche concept. I think Broken's just a, basically now about Wolverine, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, this is the long night. As far as you coming to terms with your past self, this is his past self, his angry self talking to him, and basically like, look at you with the world to save. You think by now you'd figure out there's nothing's going to change, and I'm part of the reason. Basically, it's that voice telling you, like, what is the point of, like, why are you doing this? Why are you acting that way? There's no point. You're you're a fraud, and it's all going to end. And it's just that doubt, and that's what the song's about, which is a cool concept, and it thematically fits perfectly. I, um, um, not I the c- most interesting, but the vocal delivery is fantastic. I can see it. Yeah. And yeah, I think his vocals are great in the song. Yeah. So uh, I, I did like uh, all this theater. I wouldn't waste your voice. It comes a day you figured out you never had a choice, and it's just that, that, that self-doubt. You know, you're going to fuck it up eventually. Right. Thing. So, anyways. Well, uh, go ahead, or, or Mark. Uh, that, that's all I have to say about that track. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No. All next right. track is everything. And I think we'll have and some... it's something, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's hear a little bit of everything. <laughs> everything um all right so this was going to be one of the songs that was going to be included on a greatest hits package could you imagine after hearing like 13 tracks of their classic bits and then you get this song 
Um, I hate to just shit on this song because it's so fucking different than everything that he's ever done because it really does sound like a pop song. But further inspection, you can absolutely tell some of the influences to some of that post-punk stuff, uh, whether it's Joy Division, The Cure, New Order. Uh, I think Trent has even uh, mentioned Fear. Uh, I've never listened to the band Fear. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily see that. Maybe on the choruses, right? Because Fear is a punk band, right? Yeah, they are. So I can see that on the guitar work on the choruses. But those those verses are rough, man. So the first verse opens with what line, Mark, that just... I survived everything. Right. And uh, when we were listening to that, I was pantomiming, um, pantomiming, uh, kind of uh, a, a hip Christian pastor. pastor. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "Isn't this great?" Like DC talk, you know, yeah. just like ready to. Hey guys, look, I survived everything, and the power of Christ compelled me, and I'm ready for anything. You know, like that sort of sure. just optimism. Um, and it's it's really funny that you know this was going to be a, a single, this was going to be a music video, which was going to be directed by the guy that directed the uh, video for How Long, another very poppy song uh, from How to Destroy Angels. Right. He also that Shinola, uh, I don't know if it's a person or if it's a group. Um, I think it's just a person. That's the Shinola on the, the, the direct quote was: "We made a video for everything with Shinola." I love those dudes, but for whatever reason, it just didn't turn out that great, and I shelved it. This is not an uncommon occurrence in my world. Yeah, because every day is uh, every day is the same. Uh, that had a video as sex, well. Was it a sex dwarf, or whatever? Did yeah. I have a video? No. Oh, you're thinking of the March I of the Pigs. I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm thinking of March of the Pigs with the dwarf in yeah, the video. Yeah, 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 sex yeah. dwarf is a great soft sell song. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've shelved a lot of stuff, but they still put the Broken movie out if you look for it. It's yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, am I alone on this? Is This is not a uh, highlight of the record. Counterpoint. Not as bad as you make it out to be. Okay. Uh, I the first time I heard it, I was like, "What is this?" Um, yeah. But as the years have gone by, I can see what he's going for. Definitely that in between the first chorus and the second verse, there's a cure guitar tone that I really appreciate. I like those ridiculous orchestral trents. I think it's nonsense, but you know, Adrian Blue, I think, was also doing backing vocals yeah. on this one. Um, it's not that bad it's it, I, I think if it wasn't a nice nail song maybe we'd cut it some more slack i'm not sure um probably who's the third, who's the third musician on the song daniel rowland is uh, a violinist oh that's but is there a violin on this track i don't know but i looked him up that's and that's what his credits generally he plays are. guitar on the song okay, okay. so he's a, um, so he's a studio musician it's over so soon like by the time you're just about done with it it's already done it's only three minutes and 20 seconds long so it's hard to be mad at a song that I'm he not. that he did. No, I'm not saying you are. No, I'm saying I'm saying it's hard. I'm talking if about this was me. the only song he got. I'm talking about I'm talking about from me. Yeah, it's hard to be mad at a song that he did as a troll. Like he was trolling. You think so? He, I, he said it in an interview. He said, "I know I'm going to raise eyebrows with it with the opening lines of that song." Like he knew exactly what he was doing. He was going to make it sound positive, but in but the lyrics are basically going to eat itself out by the end of the, not in a sexy way, (laughs) by the end of the song. Like he, like essentially the lyrics are when you become comfortable with something, you become susceptible, uh, you become soft and susceptible to the darkness essentially. And that's what it's about. Like he's like, he's, and he said this in the interview, like it's going to start confident and cocky. 
I survived. I'm out on the other side. I'm doing great. And when you actually say that out loud, you open yourself up to trouble. And that's ex- what the song's about. Zach Coyers, he said, I don't know if it's trolling as much, but he said, I was trying to make something that would leapt out of the speakers in a very unfamiliar way. At first, let's, let, listen, it might seem to be in praise of life, but it's supposed to come off as an arrogant fuck you, I've survived. It also gets less triumphant and more reflective and melancholy towards the end. Um, They've never played this one live. They've no. only done this one in rehearsals, and it's also become an irritant. Yeah, I, I, this is more Trent Reznor gems. Is the, uh, it seems to be a shocking moment, of the, but it does seem to be a shocking moment of the record. We've not played it on stage, only in rehearsals. It's become an irritant to me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I couldn't imagine, like, could you, like I said, time is precious when you see a band <laughs> live and they oh, pull out everything. Yeah, I, I wonder. Because I don't know if, who actually likes the song because uh, another guy that I was working with at the time of this release, he heard everything and he was like, yeah, I don't know about the direction of the band. And I was like, trust me, then after that song, the record ends so strong that you will forget that I was even right. on the record. Uh, friend of the show, Sarah, who was on the show, loves that song. Does mm. she really? You know, well, she, there. like she's right. That's her wheelhouse of like the new order, exactly. Depeche mode, so. which I would say only one part of the song really sounds like that. And that's, that's or no, one or two parts like the chorus. Baseline sounds like, it I like the, the chorus and I like, yeah, yeah the verses, the verses that are based on rough and, and progression yeah. and drive is very, yeah. I mean, it's not a listen, but it does sound like a Cure song. Peter Hook. I will one hundred percent. I could picture Robert Smith on his later like work uh, records doing that. Yeah, that's it's the worst that's song. More... It's, it's the worst song on the album. That's fair. Yeah, but yeah. there is some cool parts to it, and um, I don't know. It's it's the uh, it's the big man with the gun of the album. It's a cheeky little. It's a cheeky little sarcastic. It has song. more. To, it has more to offer society than Big Man with the Gun. But yes. <laughs> It's a lot longer than Big Man with a Gun. It's about twice his yeah. length. So, yeah. I mean, but the fact of the matter is... Time is relative when you're talking about songs that get that bad. There, uh, You're right. The choruses, when things like kind of take a different turn, make it a little more digestible. Yeah. Thematically, it does fit with the album. I'm not going to get into... I mean, like I said, it's just about being comfortable. When you're, when you're comfortable and cocky... Um, you know, then what darkness that, that, that opens the door for. And that's, that fits thematically with what else he's trying to say on the album. Um, but it's a very simple song. Um, it doesn't have to be on here, but you know, anyways. All right. Well, it's, um, we're halfway through the album and it's 10 o'clock. So let's keep moving. Let's, let's move <laughs> along. All right. So let's hear the next one, which is satellite. starts not 
not di- not dissimilar. Uh, hold from, on, hold on. What song was it? Satellite. Okay. Satellite and disappointed do start similar with a very beat machine drum beat, which is how he started a lot of the songs in this album. This one was one of the like everything was one of the uh, the uh, extra songs he was making for the never released greatest hits album. Um, it is dancey. His uh, vocal delivery is you know pretty catchy, pretty poppy, but it's a very simple song. Um, and I like it fine. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's not terribly engaging in my opinion, but it's fine. I actually like this song a lot. I, I was going to say this is a, this was definitely a grower on me over the years, but, um, there's a lot going on here. Mark, continue. Um, the outro is what does it to me when it kind of turns into kind of more of a funky jam, Mm -hmm. um, where, uh, you've kind of got that detuned out of tune guitar kind of sound. Uh, where it does have that little more of that swamp industrial funk mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, this song, though, does kind of remind me of a more fleshed out song that you would maybe find on Year Zero. Yeah, um, even lyrically. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Totally. The data trails and like fingernails. It's all, it's, it's, this, this is Brother Eye, the song. Yeah, totally yep. is Brother Eye. Um, <laughs> Only so, he is also Brother Eye. Well, <laughs> Anyways, we'll get there. <laughs> there's not much to get into on that. Um, but yeah, it's a funky little jam. Um, I have no problem with this one. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. It's just that it doesn't stand out to me on the album. But I, it, uh, I don't turn it off because it gets that 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 uh, his vocal delivery has got a sweet little melody to it and gets in my head. It's this good. is a this tracks alternate Reznor. Yep. Yep. Um, a few things on it that I like is uh, I really, the 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 claps. And the droning guitars, there's some guitar drones that just kind of drift. Mm-hmm. Um, almost sounds where it sounds like he's sliding his uh, finger down the fretboard and just letting it kind of drift off. Yep. Um, you'll know it when you hear it. Um, that vocal piece where it goes, I think he's saying, yes, we can. Yeah. Yes, we yes, did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever, whenever he, yeah. uh, that's some of that James Brown version of Trent Reznor that we all, that we all love. He's calling response himself. Yep. Yep. And right, right there, there's like these progressions of bloops and bleeps which kind of gets back to the miami vice pulses that i like um there's funny you said colin responsing himself because this is done from the perspective of his darker darker half yeah yeah like that that but it's him talking to himself but it's that it's that darker side of him so it would make sense too there's some uh there's some coke bottle percussion for lack of better term at certain points yeah 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 Um, came into the studio that (laughs) Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> Bring the funk. That, that whole towards the end where Trench is saying like, "I know you're up there," or something. That's just, yeah, I like it all. Um, and even even when he's doing some guitar jangling at the end, there, it's almost like he's. I don't know where the influence of bringing in uh, Mr. Mac, Lindsey Buckingham, is, but he's kind of going for that kind of vibe there a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a good song. It's a uh, out of if you were to take. There, there's certain tracks in this album that kind of fit into the same box. And I think Disappointed, um, Satellite, and Running running are all three similar to that. I think Satellite's the best of those three. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a good track. It's a, it's another Talking Heads song, for lack of a better term, too, yep. I think. Yep. All right, so let's go into the next one. Uh, we've got the next track, which is Various Methods of Escape. Let's go.
Various Methods of Escape, a song that is much more than meets the eye, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this track a lot, and I'll talk about it more after Eric gets done talking. Yeah, it's it's a cool song, and I, I uh, kind of a sucker for song titles. It's a great song title, and it, it kind of had me on that, and then what I appreciated about the music kind of built itself up around it the few times I listened to it, um, and I liked it more and more each time. They played this song on Jimmy Kimmel live. Very strange choice. Very strange huh. choice. Interesting. Interesting. I know. Uh, I I thought, so I love this song. Uh, this was yeah. one of the standout tracks for me when I first heard the record all the way through because um, it did re- really kind of remind me of uh, The Fragile. I can see that. Um, it, not, it's, it, to, not only the song The Fragile, but stuff that you could find off The Fragile. I could see the song The Fragile, but also yep. if, you, if you look back in our archives on The Fragile... Very much like the, the Fragile gives you the feeling of starting in one place, going on a journey, and ending in another. I think yeah. this song does a good version of that condensed. Yeah, exactly, because um, that part uh, in the song, The Fragile, like they keep picking mm-hmm. and scratching, you know, that part. I think that uh, there's elements of that sort of kind of picking there's, sound. There's, there's a sequence in the song where it gets quiet, yeah. And it sounds almost like some kind of like water is bouncing off a piece of uh, metal or something. Exactly. And that's when uh, the swarming guitar comes. The kind swarms of come in. Yep. The swarms come in yeah. towards the end there. Yep. Absolutely. No photos tonight, Eric. These <laughs> <laughs> are for me. Um, but uh, I love the I've got to let go. Um, I've got to get it straight. Why don't you have to make it so hard? Let me get away. Um, just that sort of kind of feeling. I think all of us. Uh, at sometimes dwell on things we've said, things we've done, mm-hmm. um, and we just kind of have to let those things go and move past that rather than dwell on them. Yes. Um, so it's that, something you think of when you're older. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. What grudges are worth holding? Um, so it keeps me up at night sometimes when um, I I shouldn't necessarily keep reliving some of my mistakes, some of the things that I wish that I had done differently um, and said differently. Uh, so it's kind of nice, you know, whenever I see a song like this that I can relate to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it it hits me. So, uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? No, you nailed it on the head. Really? I definitely feel where you're coming from on that. Uh, and you know, there's just various audible parts of the song that I really appreciate. 
is the opening verses where it sounds like he's singing through a tube. Some, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Like, you know, a robot. Like the the Buggles, like uh, Video Killed the Radio Star, kind of like. Sure. <laughs> you know what song I'm talking about, yes, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I like the, the groove guitar during the chorus. If you, if you just a slow down pace that uh, probably Adrian blows. But this song's all Adrian, Pino, and Trent Reznor. Yeah. Um, that down, 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 ticka, ticka, down, down. Not the best representation, not my best work. But uh, we know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Uh, that's, that's where we're saying, I gotta let go. Yeah. You know, that strumming's great. And then the, um, kind of the drumming, and you hear, you're almost hear like that tambourine kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. There's probably not a tambourine, but it's probably I can picture, just, you know, he loves a tambourine. He so. does, does, loves to shake that yeah. shit. So, um, yeah. Uh, this song the, is a... The delivery a, of the vocals it's a, it's a is strong very... strong one for me. <clears throat> the delivery of the vocals is very measured. I like that. Like, it has a very deliberate pace. Um, we talked about the plinking sounds. Uh, there's some good whispering during that quiet part. Yeah. I always like a good Trent Reznor whisper. And, um, yeah, it all does the swarm motion. It comes crashing in for the uh, the end. And uh, even if you listen, there's, like, some booming drums at the end there that kind of crash in. Yep. And it's good. It's 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 a song that kind of does, like a, uh, like, a Mogwai build, but... It's not blatant about it. Yeah, it's a it's a subtle build. I mean, those drums that you talk about always give me the impression of uh, the song and all that could have been another song that would have died to have seen live. Played on night two. God <laughs> fucking damn it! <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we got to hear them rush through burn again. So you know, whatever. <laughs> Eric, you got anything else? Yeah, or should we go I, to the next one. So, lyrically, uh, Eric, what is, what is no, this? No, no, Mark had it down except. Okay. Stick with the last verse a little bit longer. The, the lyrics are so good towards the end of the song. An, effig- an effigy so wondrous to behold, a statement so profound, a place to bury everything I did and burn it to the ground. So right there, I'm there, I'm there with you, Mark. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on a little further. The past repeats itself. I cannot tell the difference anymore. I cannot trust myself. So thematically, what he's talking about with this album is, you know, if you burn it all to the ground, I guess and just try to bury it and bottle it up. I think that's where the, that's where the problem is. It's like, there's gotta be another, I think he's talking about other ways, like coming to terms with yourself, various methods of escape. And one way is to burn it all to the ground. But then I think what he's saying, when you do this, um, I don't really know what he's saying, but it doesn't end. Like, it's not satisfying for him to burn it all to the ground. Right. At least in this verse, because he still leaves not being able to trust himself. Yeah. Um, but it is a very cathartic moment when he sings about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this one's a kind of a stumper, uh, but I do, you know, it is about, I mean, broad strokes, it's about self-reflection and the positives and negatives that come with um, saying goodbye to the past and, yeah. and, and the regrets and stuff like that. Absolutely. So uh, when I picture Eric listening to this album, I picture much like this, like, Two Trent Reznor's looking at each other at the table, but there's a gun right here, and yeah. one of them has to jump for it and shoot the other one. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like we're almost in the same spot, but then he just throws enough of uh, Ericisms oh, yeah. in there where I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to the next one. Next track we've got is Running.
and that was running. And I'm going to run right by this song and give it to Mark. <laughs> he was like, uh, let me start. And then this is, uh, this is yeah. my remember a few songs ago. You said, uh, what was that one that you didn't like much that I like disappointed, uh, disappointed. This is my disappointed. Uh, no, this is uh, right, right up there as well. Um, I think this song is goofy as shit. Um, the one cool element that I will say, I listened to the song with headphones, um, and uh, the beginning part, I followed you again this morning. You hear it in the left, the right channel. And then it almost seems like even though there's not a headphone on the top of my head, it really does feel like it's going in four different quadrants. Out of the three of us, you're the one with the most hair left. So there could be a headphone <laughs> up there. Um, but this song is, uh, I you're think, kind right, of... Eric. Don't worry. I think this song is kind of boring. Um, when... Uh, so, Yeah. Steve yeah. was one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, this just, is my second, first or second. Least I'll actually favorite take song. everything over this song. This is my least favorite song on the album. I'll take yeah. everything as well over this. Yeah, song. Yeah, it's it's just the beat's fine, but it it's so sparse. It doesn't do very much with it. And then like when he finally adds guitars, it's just fretboard slides. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> which is, it's just fretboard slides. Which it is, sounds like something off of Ghosts. It's like it's I mean, a, um, you know, uh, Tom Morello. You are not. No, but it yeah. sounds like just like I don't know. I need to put a guitar part in yeah. here, and I know to do with it. There, there's yeah. something better he could have done if this. He gave so it. this, yeah, this song is all Trent Reznor. Maybe yeah. with the full band, it would have turned out better. Maybe that guitar part right. would have turned into something really cool if Adrian Blue was on it. And lyrically, um, I mean, it fits, but it's so simple and obvious, like just running out of time, kind of right, thing. Running, running away from himself. It's okay. running away from himself, and and like you know, it's just unnecessary. Yeah, so it's my most likely to skip. Um. There is a part on it where I feel like I should be dodging things in the video game, but that doesn't make me like it anymore. Yeah. Um, it's just, this is definitely, even though I like most of these things, this is definitely another David Byrne in a big suit talking head song. Yeah. It's just makes but you feel it like, goes on too long, though. It makes you feel like you should get up and clean your house. It's one of those things. It's, it's, right. it's restless. I mean, this song only tracks around like four minutes long, but it really does it's feel like it could be minutes. like a six minute long yeah. song. It's yeah. just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that we're all in agreement on that one. It, um, it gets you. The next track is a huge uptick, so you know. Right. You want to just go to the next one? Yeah, it's just that, it. that's our low point. All right, right. running. So uh, the next track we've got, I would for you. So that was I Would For You, um, and I uh, I love this song. This is um, where everything uh, for the rest of the record for me is just absolutely just Stone Cold Classics. It all kind of connects together, too, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, absolutely. Um, it, it kind of, yeah, in terms of the connection, it almost does seem like it could be like a melody. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of Be- the Beatles' Abbey Road, like as it closes out, it's just like one massive just, well, it's kind of like song, with, song, with teeth, song. the last three songs bleed into each other. I yeah, think these right. last four do that together, actually. Definitely. Um, so this this track has uh, quite a bit of uh, folks playing on the track with him. You got Adrian Blue, 
uh, Joshua Eustace from Telephone Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. and who was supposed to go on tour with them. In fact, he's he is on the tension tour. He is on the tension tour. Yeah, he is. What is he playing? Uh, he's going back and forth from like guitar to keyboard. Like he's doing shit. A few things. That's right yeah. because that was an yeah. eight piece band. Yeah. Oh man. So he's like auxiliary member. A yeah. typical Nine Inch Nails tour member. Usually they do more than one thing. Yeah. The um, only guy that ever gets away. With, no, actually, even Adrian can't. Or uh, even a. Uh, Robin uh, Fink plays he's the He's uh, got to get a on little uh, blue bleepers yeah. sometimes. Um Eugene from Autolux is on here playing the violin as well. Trent Reznor of course um yeah. and then Ellen Rubin. Yeah. Well, Trent Reznor plays the piano in the song. Emphasis on the piano. Yeah, because as the outro uh proves it gives you that classic 9-inch nails outro. Yeah, whenever sound. whenever 9-inch nails that singular piano sound. It's just a just a little little slowly played very prominent keyboard plink. You gotta love it. That's how it ends. It ends with that. I guess we could work backwards. It's one that it builds and builds and swarms and swarms and explodes. And towards the end, there's just a ton, ton of like, it sounds like, I don't know, the, the, the sound of maybe a house being on fire while someone's <laughs> just playing the piano slowly. Just for the very end there. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Talk about a catchy, just catchy hook. Uh, vocal delivery is awesome. I love the chorus. Yeah. See, I keep lying to myself. Don't know what else there is to do. If I could be somebody else, well, I think I would for you. Um, I mean, I think all of us at some point, you know, with our wives, mm, uh, yeah. I, I think that there are things that we have to... Uh, Hold back? Be somebody else. Mm, right. And, you know, and, and they're worth doing that for, yes. right? Right. That's different than what I was thinking, but yes. Okay, <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking? No, I, I, I was actually thinking if you're talking about like sometimes just to keep things copacetic, you got to uh, actually, yes, put on a mask. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So, and you would do it for her because yeah. you just wanted, so, you know. And it's per, it, it totally fits into the theme of this album, like talking about the two Trent sitting at a table. Dark Trent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the so the, you know, the old old Trent, you know, so dark Trent, the verses are him looking through kind of new Trent through through his eyes and like I love the line about stepping over all that used to be and just like basically um just looking at it through this through the this eyes of like a different person and then the chorus goes about like well who would you actually change for and that's and that's beautiful it's it, it's great it's a cool song ties on all the themes of the album together really well uh some things I love in this song is I love that opening double kick drum yeah I feel like that's what it is and I think it's live I think it's uh Illin doing that mm-hmm. that doom 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 that's great Mm-hmm. Um, I love that sloggy synth. That yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That's, yeah, that's great. Um, there's that one moment where there's a uh, the verse stops and the guitar just goes doom 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 before the rest yep. kicks back. And in. then it, yep yep. It's uh yeah. This is a this is another song where it could be. It takes some of the ideas that they take two discs to get around to and the fragile and condenses them into one song. Yeah. I just love song. the, the lush, uh, the lushness of this. this, lush. this Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Y- yeah. yeah. And as it, as it swarms up and then calms down, you hear in the, uh, in the distance, the din, 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 and it goes right into into, which we can go right into into now. All right. Yeah. Let's hear that one. Going into into.
couple of things for Into, two things for Into. Uh, one, like I said, when I first heard this record, it was in the dark on the ocean. This song was quite an experience to listen to in the dark at an ocean for the first time. Two, if someone were to say, uh, just tell me why you like Nine Nails, I could probably give them this song and say, I think everything I like about this band is in this song. Oh, yeah. It's uh, that complete, and it runs the entire range of reasons, for the most part, why I adore this band. Um, it's Adrian Ballou, Lindsey Buckingham, uh, Eugene Gorster, and Trent Reznor. And it's a great track. I'll have more to say later. Um, when I first heard this track, I immediately um, just heard that Lindsey Buckingham type guitar, uh, especially in that no, no, or no, it's getting harder to tell the two of you apart. Oh, yeah. Just that finger plucking style. Yeah, he said that he when he was making this with his guests, he would do his... Laptop demos, basically, right, first, which would be the beat, bass, synth, that kind of thing. And I could totally hear this song on a laptop yeah. because this is a very organic version of a Year Zero song. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And totally. Then he did, if he finishes, if the Year Zero song totally. sounds less like a demo, yeah, they go to what you're saying. Right. And, and on that great that great 40-minute interview with himself, he shows some of the demos. and then the, oh, Wait, wait, a 40-minute interview? You're right. It is an interview with himself. Yeah. Because this album's all about himself, himself. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Incredible, Eric. You're right he, for once. He passes it, uh, but he passes the demo on to, you know, Lindsey Buckingham and, and Adrian Blue, and then they add their little, and Blue would do flourishes, Buckingham would do, um, you know, kind of more melodious guitar, and uh, then you'd have this, which is awesome. And this is like, this is a true industrial song, even though Nine Inch Nails hasn't been really toying with it as much. Lately, I mean, it's just, it's dancey, it's edgy, it's, it's, it's hard, but it, you know, you never stop, you know, shaking, tapping your foot to it. Um, I don't know if I could dance to this one, but I agree with everything else you just okay. said. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the outro, uh, is just an all timer, an all timer where, uh, it kind of has a little bit of an explosion after, um, kind of a, more of a distant vocals, more atmospheric layers. And then it just kind of abruptly ends and it goes right into the next song. Um, I mean, I just, for a while there, I thought it was just one long song because I did too. You, right. I really it, did. Into as yeah. it goes into the next one. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love uh, it. I love I, it. I love and it. I love, there's so many different pieces of the song. There's the verse and then you get this robotic voice saying nature is violent a few times over and over again. And then it cuts to the chorus, which is the high pitched falsetto. Yeah, this, I'm getting harder yeah. to tell the two yeah. of you apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that little robotic voice, "Nature is violent," is the kind of the thematic tie to this song, where it's like, "What are we building ourselves into somebody new for? We're denying, you know, our nature, which is probably a good thing because humans' nature is to be violent, and it is probably yeah. a good thing to get past that. So sometimes we'll maybe toy with our nature a little bit, but it can be a scary place to be, and that's really the, what the whole song is about. And that kind of ties back into man versus man versus the machine, which is as we were talking about earlier, is like the uh, industrial MO. So anyways, awesome song. I Nine, love that song. Nash Nails knows how to do the great buildups. Um, uh, I think uh, The Great Below is an all-timer for that stuff. Um, similarly placed on With Teeth is uh, Beside You in Time. Is that the track? Yeah. That has the wall of sound that almost kills you? Yeah. The, this, the, the, the synth stabs. That yeah, the synth, yeah, but then, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this, this song has very much the, uh, 
the everything gets gets calm and it slowly slowly builds and then as like a Actually, another year zero, like meltdown kind of thing towards yeah. the end there. But it's done much more. It seems like it's just planned better. Um, yeah. We'll talk about this more, but um, I guess the next album is not the actual events. And he has said that entire album is a fantasy of burning it all down. And, and kind of like when you're trying so hard to keep it together, well, what if you just gave into the addiction? You just burn it all down in that whole life. And. Um, there's he did a, actually say that Eric's not making it up yeah, for once. Yeah, you know, he did say that. So, but in the, he has a line in this song where he says, "Thrive, just become your disease, leave them behind." And I can't help but kind of see that as an early maybe seed uh, into where he'll go on the next thing. Um, there's so much to mine from the lyrics. Oh, of there's song. De- it's uh, great. There's definitely elements of this album that I see, think they took into the trilogy. Right. Um, more took some more of the ideas and made it more aggressive in that trilogy, but those sure. are for another yeah. episode. Yeah. Or three. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, go into the next track, which is while I'm still, still here. So that was the uh, penultimate song off of Hesitation Marks, While I'm I'm Still Here. My God. Uh, It is sometimes referred to by the acronym WISH. Uh, Why? I don't know. Why? Who who acronyms anything? That's just what the internet decided that day. It's silly. I mean, unless they're acronyming it themselves on like a set list in order to confuse themselves. Like, are we playing Wish or are we playing Wish? No one one does that except for... Although, I don't know. If they played this instead of Wish on accident... I'd be fine. fine. (laughs) Yeah. So this song has Lindsey Buckingham again, uh, Pino, Palladino, Trent Reznor. And apparently, um, I don't know the source material. Um, I think there's only one of us... That have uh, really looked through. The, I dug into it. Did you? I'll talk about it. All right. Yeah. Uh, so and also lyrical portions of a Hank Williams Senior song. Not. Yeah. It's not uh, Hank Williams Junior. Are you ready for some football? No. no. Um, be which would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would. I could go for a cover. Of, Are you ready for some football? My nice name. One thing that's that's interesting <laughs> is uh, is uh, the there is some beautiful sax at the end of the song, um, but. 
I'm assuming Trent plays it on the album, but when you see it live uh, on that Tension Tour, it is uh, Eustace uh, playing Justin Eustis, right? That's him uh, Joshua, yeah. Josh, yeah, that's him playing the sax when they do he it live. Didn't, he didn't get the oh, nerve okay. to play the sax live again until yeah. his last tour. Right. So, anyways, he's the one that picks up the, and, and honks on that bad boy. <laughs> Honking on Bobo. Yeah. Honking on yeah. Bobo. <laughs> uh, Honking on Bocephus. That's right. That's uh, nickname for Hank Jr. Anyhow. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Get your clamper shit out of here, man. <laughs> 51, time for it. Um, this is a great song. This is a, a another great ending to an album. I don't know what Eric has planned for us, but I think it's a more positive, uplifting song as far as those end-of-album songs go. Eric, lyrically, was, what's this uh, song doing for you? Uh, no, you're totally right. And um, the only thing I would say is there is some... There's a few albums where he, or I'm actually thinking specifically of the closing track on um, Year Zero, where it's like, you know, there's like a hopeful, like the world's ending, and maybe we'll have more time in the next life kind of thing. There's 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 kind of a, a similar thing here where he's like looking at his world and that what this reflection of his past self has done to it. Um, doesn't know if he can keep himself very much longer, but he just wants to be with the ones he loves while he can. Um, well, he's feeling good about himself and maybe that's just what love and depression is together. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, the love's permanent, but whether or not you can be, you know, present in it, maybe that's not as permanent. Um, but it's a, it's a great song. Yeah. I would agree with that reading. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I would basically echo what you just said. And the fact that, uh, you know, there's good days, there's bad days. Yeah. Um, right. You know, everything is not going to be the same at all the times, but that's okay. You know, just on the good days, just yep. stay with me and, right. you know, yeah. while I'm still here. And on the bad yeah. days, just got to roll with the punches. Right. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a very human song. I think it's a very mature song and a self-aware song. Exactly. This it's is accepting. him coming to peace. It's adult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coming to peace does not mean everything's good. It just means... This is what it is, and this is where it can be good. And yeah, exactly. So. Again, again, some of the uh, some of the vocal deliveries and the pacing I love in this record. I love the pacing of the uh, a little more every day. That that yeah. portion of it is, is awesome. With the sound that's with, going on, with the underlying yeah. sound of like it's like a humming, like like some like a generator kicking on. Basically, yeah. that, that's great. Um, yeah, th- this song. It's a, definitely another track where there's quite a bit of different things going on, but you get to hear every one of them. Um, there's the just the blipping sound, the blap blap, blap 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 blap. There's that. There's that Lindsey Buckingham little guitar lick that just just melts my heart. The you know what part I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, a, it's just like this. Like it's yeah. it sticks out because it's so. You don't. You hear some of it on this record, but you don't get to hear that nice nail songs all the time. Yeah, you don't right. get to hear like it's a clean little, just a clean little lick. Yeah, you don't yeah. get to hear slick licks as much. Right. <laughs> um, and also uh, that 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 do 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 I can't I can't really explain it, but there's this like this oscillating synth sound towards the middle, towards the end of the song. That's great. Yeah. Um, as we talked about, honking on Bobo is great with the uh, saxophone, 
And then, uh, yeah, I didn't realize this until I've heard the song before. The uh, what, Weary Blues from Waiting is an old Hank Williams song. And I guess Trent Reznor just started humming it or singing it. I don't know, during during a, uh, d- during a one of their rehearsals, because it was one of those, like, this, the saddest songs I've ever heard, which is like every Hank Williams senior song. Um, it's the, uh, the, the just, uh, just, and he said that, uh, I just started singing Weary Blues over that in an earlier version of the song. That kind of became the breadcrumbs leading back to the source. Um, and it it kind of informed the rest of the song. So the part where it goes, uh, uh, of all those things it might have been, watch young lovers walking by. God forgive me if I cry. That Those three lines, Hank Williams oh, yeah. sings, uh, through tears I watch young lovers as they go strolling by. Oh, all the things that might have been. And they're sung in like the same rhythm. Huh. Um, so that part talking about young lovers walking by, that's it. That's Hank Williams-esque. Um, it's a great song. It's a great album closer. It's it thematically to an album that's talking about looking back on years where you're a little bit more uh, out of control and dangerous and sad. This kind of song says, you know what? I might be a little bit less sad and have more responsibilities, but uh, still kind of miserable. But you know, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, from just looking at as you get older. And, you know, watching kind of uh, young lovers kind of stroll on by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have to say uh, it is kind of an indication of time just, like, ticking out. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Uh, also, the fact that he's referencing Hank Williams Sr. on an album later in his career, something I don't think he's, you're going to catch him doing on Broken. So that's pretty... Uh, right. That's kind of, like, metatextual there. Yeah. So he's not just, re- you know, referencing himself, but he's referencing himself in the world of music and what's come before. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good song. Great, great song. Uh, I don't know what I'll say about it besides it being a great, slow, the most like measured ending to most of their albums. Yeah. And not, not a happy ending, but it's happy in the sense that it's peaceful. It's yeah, peaceful. It's just ending. like, you know, yeah. Her, yeah, the big blast of sound that kind of kicks you in your ass. Yeah. Uh, ring fingers, ring fingers, whatever the hell that's supposed to be. It's a wonderful uh, song. Broken top ten song. If if you're gonna the proper ending to Broken's gave up if you ask me and gave up <laughs> a, a big pulsing anger thing. Um, uh, what Her, else? The yeah, fragile. Yeah. Both versions of the fragile. Actually, I'll bring up one of those in a second. But uh, you you could say that the fragile ends with the great below, which is another like crescendo. You know. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about the true ending to the fragile on the next track. And um, let's see. With Teeth ends with uh, Right Where It Belongs, which is pretty emotional. Year Zero, watching the world end kind of thing. Right. With Zero Sum. Yeah. yeah. No, wait, is that the last song? Yeah. Demon Seed on the Slip is its own thing, which is really cool. And this is its other own thing, which is just kind of like taking a breath at the end of a long day kind yeah. of track. Yeah. Yep. It's resigned. It's a resigned sounding song. It's like, <sighs> right. all right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a good little album closer. I mean, in all sense of the word, I don't really consider Black Noise to be the uh, the final. It's just if more we are going to go into Black Noise, it's though, an appendage. Black Noise yeah. is, is our favorite word, appendage. Uh, here's, a, here's a clip of Black Noise.
Okay, you heard it. Um, it Black Noise, it, de- it definitely, it's the same song. But what it is, is it's just the dread part. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, you had all this relaxing, you know, I'll get through all this. But then, much like the Ripe with Decay, it's this sound of dread that it'll always be there and it will always come back. Which is, I, I think both those songs complement each other well. It's a great point. Yeah, it's just fantastic. A, the dread is always going to be there, whether you make peace or not. If you're any kind of self-aware human being, you should still dread. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> yeah. I actually sign off on that that uh, that perfectly, Stephen. Well, I mean, uh, there's such a things as like white noise. White noise helps you either kind of go into this more meditative state and or even fall asleep. Uh, there's also this thing called pink noise, which also apparently does the same thing. Um, but black Never. noise... But that sounds a little erotic. Uh, pink noise is... <laughs> well, uh, hanging through. <laughs> <laughs> what the sound my wife makes when... Oh, okay, right. you didn't have to get... <laughs> uh, so anyhow. getting back to those masks we force ourselves to wear for our wives. <laughs> and some of those are literal. Um, black noise is uh, not what... Um, Christian Bale described Huey Lewis in the news in American Psycho, but uh, I think it's more about that foreboding uh, yeah. sense of dread. Yeah, right. But those last four tracks, like we said, they go together so well. Yeah, yeah. Great um, ending. So before we go into the remixes, which we'll do quickly, um, yes, we will. Yeah, uh, ranking this album uh, out of Nine Inch Nails, I would give this a seven point seven five. I know we always grade high, but I think it's a really great record, and um, it's just a couple bad tracks from being an all-timer. 7.5. 7.5. Uh, be a, uh, I'd, I'd round it up to just a solid 8. Wow. Um, like it more than me. Uh, I do. At I least do. tonight. That's I do, great. I do like this album um, uh, a lot. Uh, I remember when it, it came out, it was kind of the last Nine Inch Nails album that I really got into. Um I I like the trilogy, but I by no means have I poured over it as much as I've poured over any of their other works. Mm-hmm. I actually like this album more than the slip. Oh um, yeah, by hands down. Yeah. Came more to great gave no, I didn't give the slip that high of a score. Um yeah. but I uh I think for me this is probably one of uh the later albums that I actually really respond to. Um, I like it more than Year Zero. I don't know if I like it more than With Teeth. I've asked myself that recently. I don't think I do, but um, it's up there. But I, I do really respond well to this song, even though everything disappointed and um, running do nothing for me. I don't necessarily have such a negative reaction where those three just collectively just don't make it a perfect record, but... I think the stronger parts of this album just make it just a really pretty solid. Well, as we like to say, the high highs, the 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 intos and the comeback haunteds bring up the uh, the grade quite a bit. Yep, eight eight out of nine as well. Ah, as well, Captain just, Hyperbole graded he, at the lowest. I'll, yeah, I'll be damned. <laughs> He's just so like just what the songs are about are just so damn personal, but not but done in a mature way. Um, and the lows are, you know, uh, forgettable at worst, but not grading. Um, a couple, like maybe the first verse on everything is grading, but the way the the clincher in that song, what that song's really about, makes it all kind of okay. 
So um, yeah, it doesn't drag it down. So that's a yeah, it's a it's a solid. It's definitely the most mature like stuff he's done. It's great. I, I'm glad to hear that, considering that you didn't have a lot of nostalgia for this no. record. Yeah. So listening to it all the way through, scrutinizing it probably more than you ever did, you came away with that high. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's and and just melody wise, like yeah, even the songs that I don't care about, he's he's tapping into some like real earworm melodies in in, in this album. It's, it really is, yeah. and I uh, just love the lyrical content. I yeah. think if anything is. Yeah, I get older um, and uh, still have rocks in my brain every now and then. Um, sure. You know, it's nice to hear, it not be so angst-filled and not be so like, there's only one final solution, you know, that kind of like feeling that you would get with some of his more earlier works. Right. Uh, this one is more, uh, that final solution either being just a self-destructive path. This one is more like, Hey man, we all fuck have shit in our brains, and you just you gotta let it go. It'll right. it'll be fine. I think it's the whole point of the record. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, got a quick remix roundup before we call it a night tonight. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with there's two there's two different uh, places to find remixes for this album. Uh, they put out a remix 2014 EP, which I'm going to start with. And then I'm going to end with what I think is the more superior collection of remixes. It's just the three that were included on the deluxe edition. Mm. So in the remix 2014 EP, uh, it's, we start with a satellite remix by Hot Chip. I listened to that one. That's the only one I listened to off that thing. Oh, okay. Well, that one is, um, I think, just, I mean, Hot Chip. I mean, does anybody, can anybody talk about them a little bit? I, I know Hot Chip was on like the, uh, DFA's record right. label. They're dancey. Yeah. yeah, I think I have one of the records. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote dancey stuff. indie disco version of this. It's fine. Um, then it goes into Cold Cave remixing Running, which I actually think makes it superior than the album version. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this remix is amazing. I'm saying it turns it into like an 80s, like... Uh, Isn't that Cold Thompson, Cave's thing? Like a Thompson Twins song I think or something. So. They're yeah. very 80s. Yeah, I think uh, so, yeah. Almost like a faint version. Uh, anyways, I think it makes it way more engaging than the album version. Um, so, you know, hats off to Cold Oh, shit. Hats off to Cold Cave for making a superior version of Running. Talk about uh, not superior. Simeon <laughs> Mobile Disco did a version of Copia, Copiava, which is, I don't know. It's, it's eight minutes long. It's, it's a it's junkyard. It's a, I mean, that gives it too much credit. It's a, yeah, it's just a laptop remix of uh, a song making it a little bit more like clubby, I guess, but not interesting. I don't, I don't like this remix at all. Yeah. I don't know if anybody wants to fight me on that one. But. No, I, I don't think I actually got through all eight minutes. Uh, I was kind of skipped around on that one. Right. Uh, Auto Lux does a remix of everything. I mean, he played the guy. Uh, I didn't listen to that one. How was it? It's fine. Um, it doesn't make the song better or worse. Well, just, that was my main It just question. kind of, it slaps some more synths on it and some more dancingness to it. But um, it doesn't have some of the cool, uh, like, cure guitar that the original has. Or if well, it's in there, it's, the it's hidden. So, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make it any better, but it's fine. Um, that's really quick. Does anybody else want to say anything about that remix? I mean, that was on Apple Music. That's that's where it was released. I believe you can still get it there. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't find it there. Um, the remix 2014 EP. Okay. Um, the only ones that I saw on Apple Music were um, the... The other deluxe three, edition. the other three, yeah. yeah, which we'll get into now. So the deluxe edition came out with three. Actually, in my opinion, every single one's fantastic. I uh, yeah, 
Yeah. So, I, Steve, I want you to talk about the first one because you actually described it, and when I heard it, I knew exactly that remix. Twenty fourteen EP was on the Beats music, and I don't think oh, that translated. Oh, okay. I don't think that translated yeah. over to the album. Yeah. Uh, so the first one was it the Todd yeah. Rundgren one? No, uh, no, the, no, the Find first My Way, one, the One O Tricks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, uh, Find My Way. That one. <laughs> it sounds like it's from Kony Oskoski. Yeah. Uh, Right, it sounds yeah. like you said. It sounds like he's lost in space. Yeah, it sounds like lost in space. It reminds me of the the end parts of the movie Kony Oskoski, which just like a ton of stuff going on. Two thousand and one Space Odyssey, shit flying by you. Your brain can't process it all, and it's really good. It sounds like like Krypton crystals are like dinging in the yeah. background. I think you it's have a great, church organ. I think it's, it's a great a, remix. It's a great and, remix and for Find My Way, where you're feeling lost. It's like perfect. Yeah, perfect for that. I think it's great. And then we got Todd Rundgren's All Time Low. And Todd Rundgren was like, even, a, okay, so are you guys Todd Rundgren guys? Um, I mean, he's like a yacht. Really. He's like a yacht rock. Like apparently, actually, Mark David Chapman was well, who shot John Lennon. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I reached out because I remember it always stuck in my brain that a former guest of the show Joe Vieira was. Todd Rundgren is a singer songwriter from the seventies. He's from Philadelphia. He raised Liv Tyler uh, as well. He used yeah. to play with Holland Oates. Yeah, um, a pretty innovative studio recorder. Uh, his best, his breakout album was something called Something Anything from like 1970. Um, in the 80s, he wrote a total earworm called Bang on the Drum All Day. Uh, he had righteous stage outfits like Elton John, but he was a glam, but he wasn't a glam rocker. Uh, he's like a one man show. He's much like Trent Reznor, where he does a lot of stuff in the studio on himself. He produced Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, uh, the first New York Dolls album, and Ecstasy's Skylarkin. Uh, Joe Vieira says he would estimate that someone of Trent's age probably grew up listening to hits that he wrote, recorded, produced, and something tells me that the big albums he produced with Meatloaf were a pretty big deal to his impressionable mind. Probably why he tapped Rungan for a collab or at least a remix. And we know that, that in 2017, Todd Rungan made an album that Trent was on and then did a remix for uh, Deaf Ears. Um, so we'll be talking about that. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah. So, so Trent, I remember Trent. Like I don't know if we talked about Trent appearing on that Robbie Robertson from the band. Right. Uh, like he did something. That's right. You know what? I think we forgot to talk about that one. That yeah. was a he made. Ago. He also yeah. made interactive albums in the nineties. Mm. Also, sure. one of the few artists artists to embrace digital online releases. In the 90s. Okay. So yeah, and then, so we'll talk about Trent's remix of his song next time. I'm sure. Um, but it's a cool. I mean, thank you, Joe. It's definitely also a, uh, it's an even spacier version of All Time Low. I mean, obviously, it's you can't recap, rebottle re the magic of the original, but it is cool to hear Todd Runner and sing. What I like about this is this and the next track actually has new vocals done over the original, and you definitely get that Yacht Rocky singing. Um, you get some really good, big, big drums on this remix. Did Todd Rundgren put some vocals on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Did, yeah. There's some good spacey, like, little spacey vocals. Um, so this is a really cool, I mean, like, once again, it doesn't, you can't, you can't, you can't match the original in this song, but it is such a, it's a cool way to, to revisit it. Um, and then finally, we get the closer, while I'm still here, we get the, the uh, Genesis Porridge Remix. Briar Porridge, Howler yeah. remix, yeah. yeah. And so Ge Genesis Porridge was in Throbbing Gristle and uh, was in Psychic TV and is basically industrial royalty. Um, Real industrial, if you will. Right. I True mean, industrial. First wave industrial, which was just like noise with a couple interesting synth beats here and there. Coil. Like, uh, Coil actually spawned out of Throbbing Gristle. He was, not, he was not in Coil. But... Um, 
And I, same, and I say same. he, you know, I'm misgendering. I'm, I'm saying they're in that mis- same tier. I'm misgendering Genesis. Genesis is, is a third third gender, so they is what I should be using. So I do apologize for that. Um, uh, and uh, this is a very interesting remix because it's similar. All the elements of the song are in there with a little bit more echo, but there is a layer of Howler Monkey sound effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're not abrasive. To the no, player. not at all. I think it's yeah, actually a good uh, remix. Yeah, yeah, it is actually a pretty good remix. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting it's something a little more abrasive. That yeah. Yeah. it has is that Genesis talking those samples. So um, the beginning and the end is uh, Genesis partner, um, Lady something, Lady Lady Briar. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yep. And so she does the intro and outro, which is about like love, and when you don't understand the world. And you know, having something, and then Genesis does one about, you know, basically, you know, we are not human, we are mm-hmm. out of our bodies, kind of. There's an, and then Genesis also does the time is running out, like does that does that re, yeah. redone vocals? It's a really cool. I think it's cool, and it's a way to bring, uh, you know, past it, past industrial old influences, yeah, exactly. and yeah, no, for, it's good. I like it for being seven minutes long. It doesn't feel seven minutes. Right, long. So I think it's really good. Yeah, for, it's, it's not bad. It's a. It, I'm not. It doesn't improve on the material, but it's a great. The, the Todd Rundgren one's pretty good, but that one in the first, the the all time Find My Way remix. Yeah. Both of them are totally different versions of those songs that aren't so wildly different that it takes away from what the songs were in the first place, which I like. Yeah. <clears throat> They're good remixes. They're some of the best remixes that we've had to listen to yeah. in this whole damn show. And there's a there's a cool email that that Nine Inch Nails shared on their um, one of their. Websites. I think it was a Tumblr account. Tumblr with yeah. uh, email from Genesis, basically saying like, "Your song's beautiful." Um, we were going through this with Lady Briar's mom, who was dying. Meanwhile, the person playing the Tibetan horn. There was another. There's a third person on the song, like Sean. Somebody is playing Tibetan horn on it, and yeah, he had just that. like lost his mom to something. So they were both dealing with it at the same time they were making. It. They thought the song was beautiful, and all just kind of worked out together. So it's just kind of cool to have that story in the background, also. You know, kind of so, anyways, it's uh, it's nice. I was very excited to to dive into the remixes, even the bad ones on this one. So it's nice to get remixes again. I know exactly, <laughs> like a fucking junkie. <laughs> well, unless you can find remix versions of uh, track thirty-seven off of the Gone Girl soundtrack, I don't think you're going to have any in the next episode. Yeah. So the next episode, we will be uh, driving through those scores. Um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to record it the same way we recorded the uh, review. The big three. In the, uh, oh, yeah, well, the, the more recently, though, the review of the Night Chanel show where we used right. technology that sounds almost better than us being in the same room. So right. it One would be that say bad. if we were to do another podcast, we should think about utilizing that. Something to think about. Uh, yes. Uh, we might be able to get those out in uh, higher frequency than... If sure. maybe we all shared the editing duties. You know how hard it is to get don't. three men together with kids? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think our listeners are just happy that we're talking about possible future uh, futural developments in the show. So well, you, you know, if they don't do that, they're going to have me doing my personal podcast where I talk about Tribulation albums. <laughs> <laughs> Album of the year, Tribulation's down below. Um, I always sneak one of those in there. there you I'm go. telling you, for fans of The Cure, trust me on this one. Okay. Um, well, that... About wraps it up. Uh, we went about uh, 49 minutes longer than what we would expect to do. But, hey, that's our brand. It was all quality. It's um, a long, full-length album. So uh, thanks again for listening. Give us all your feedback and reviews. And uh, 
Shitty comments. Anything you want to say, we can take it. That's Happy right. New Year. Happy ha- 2019. Happy 2019, everyone. That's right. That's right. Thank You'll you for listening. You'll be hearing this in uh, April. April, so. probably. <laughs> no, let's, uh, let's try to close this, uh, this season of Pod Like a Hole Out so we can start our next one. That's right. Um, all right. Well, thanks again. Thanks again.